Neil. To, oh, we're live. It looks like Neil, but it's a different Neil. We're live. Hey, everybody. Hey, uh, good afternoon. Welcome to the inaugural show uh, for uh, 15 Degrees C in one. So I didn't tell you this, but I named the show because I needed to put a name to it. I feel like I should have had a say. In this. You can change it, <laughs> but I just need I wanted a title, right? Because you can't like. I wanted to have it look cool, so I named it the Center of Wine Country. You can the epicenter. The epicenter of wine country. <laughs> Do you want to call it the epicenter? No, I, that's too close to like earthquake bad juju stuff. So I, I mean, I like it. But, I kind of like it. Yeah. So the epicenter. The, rep, the ripple effect goes out from here. Yeah, and I could edit this on the fly. Okay. I, I'm gonna do that, but I made this cool heading. Uh, so just so you guys know, Ellie and I are in constant communication with each other. Which is why she's never seen this. A lot of communication. <laughs> uh, but so we have this heading around our live stream. It shows our, our Instagram page, uh, the coffee shop's Instagram page. It has our website and our logo. Um, and it's all in, in your colors, right? Yeah, so, I like it. Yeah. And so we're experimenting here. Today is a, a it's the first show, but it's not going to be like any other show because today's show is a, a special celebration. It's the third Thursday of November, which is a big deal in the wine world, it's right? It's a big deal in the wine world. We're going to have quite a few industry people in throughout the day. Um, it's, it's truly the celebration of the culmination of the 2021 harvest, grape harvest. Beaujolais. Beau. Beau. New. Beau new. Beaujolais Nouveau. Beaujolais Nouveau. Beau New. And I have uh, zero <laughs> wine experience coming into work for Allie, uh, pouring coffee uh, in the mornings, but she's been super gracious and allowing me to uh, learn at my own pace. You're going to pick up on a lot. You already have. Yeah. Um, well, I'm trying. Through, so, through osmosis. Through osmosis. And drinking beer. In a the, lot of beer, <laughs> 15C. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So, okay. So Allie, you've been in business 14 years. Let's just kind of give people a rundown, uh, in the next 10 minutes or so talking about your business, where it started, where it's kind of evolved and, uh, and set the table for what we want this show to be. And then we'll kick off our celebration with fun guests and maybe some wine, some wine. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I came to Cal Poly straight out of high school and was a recreation administration major, which means I have a degree. In fact, I have a master's degree in having a good time. Huh? <laughs> That's what I like to say. Um, and got into the wine industry pretty much right off the bat. When I turned 21, I worked for the wonderful, um, family that is the, um, Utsins at Castoro. And worked for them for quite a few years, worked out at the production facility in the tasting room and really learned a lot about wine that way. And then worked for my very dear friend, Gary Eberly, as well after that. And after that, went to work for an importer distributor and studied under Peter Neptune, who's a master sommelier. Ended up becoming certified and then eventually certified advanced through the Court of Master Sommeliers as well as the Wine and Spirits Education Trust. And um, decided that I wanted to open my own place. So 14 years ago, um, I opened up next to Trader Joe's in Templeton, this tiny little hole in the wall wine shop. And now we've morphed into 
what are we now? The epicenter of we're the epicenter of wine country. <laughs> wine country. And so I was in JNR picking up some meat the other day for Chef Andre, who's going to join us a little later. Um, and they said, "Yeah, it took us a couple of years to paint over the 15 degrees C My green logo, wall. the green wall." <laughs> yeah. So that was the space. That I like you were bright in. colors. If you can't tell, yeah, yeah. shiny things. <laughs> We we can talk more about the red that you chose for the logo. It, is there like a significance to that red? Because it's super red. My hair, maybe. It's like fire red. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I think uh, red is just one of those colors that attracts people. I, it's I'm like s- a red sports car driving down the road. Red wine. Red wine. Attracts people. Yeah. And flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this time of year, unfortunately, flies as well. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Off topic, but yeah. What causes flies so bad this time of year? Do you know? I have, I have no idea. Uh, peanut gallery. Anyone know what causes flies? Fruit harvest. Fruit Fruit harvest. Flies. Okay. All right. Bees, bees, things, nope. tiny bugs with wings. Somebody told me we haven't had a frost yet and that's why that, yeah. Well, as soon as we get a couple of good, frosty mornings they will all go away okay but every time of year this time of year flies and bees and wasps and yellow jackets are a problem well it's nature yeah right we just yeah. deal with it we live we live in the country That's we live in right. wine country the epicenter of wine things country. you have to deal with we live in the epicenter of wine country we do all right so uh what made you choose to uh, focus on spanish and italian varietals well, 14 years ago, for those of you that have been around that long, um, we didn't have anywhere on the Central Coast. When I was going to college, I moved up from Ventura, and Ventura was still a pretty small little beach town, but which it's not anymore. Um, but we didn't have a Costco. We didn't have a BevMo. We didn't have Trader Joe's. We The only place to buy your wine was grocery stores and liquor stores. And... Um, can we pause this real quick? Yeah. Great story, by the way, but hold Thanks on. I just want to show you how awesome this will be. Watch. Ready? I just changed. Oh, wait. Hold on. No, I did it wrong. Uh, yeah. Hold on. I'll, <laughs> I'll come back. I'm, I'm changing our name to the epicenter of wine country. Okay. So. Are you, can I keep going go, or should I go. stop? No, Ventura. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, so anyway, there was, there was nothing, there's nothing around. There's nowhere to buy wine. And even though we have an incredible selection of local wines and you can drive all around the County and visit tasting rooms and taste through a variety of styles of wines and varietals of wines. Um, there just, there really wasn't anywhere to buy international wines. And part of the story that I left out earlier was that I grew up traveling. My mom was a Spanish professor. So I spent, um, so much time, in Europe and South America, mainly Spanish speaking countries, but Spain really almost every summer I was in Spain and wine is wine and food really are such a part of a culture, even for the children. It's not about engorging yourself and drinking and eating to the point of overdoing it. It's all about balance. And so, um, I wrote a senior project. Which is so un-American by the way. That's yeah. That's the whole point. Exactly. (laughs) It's all about balance. Um, so I wanted to open a European style wine bar where you could get small bites of things, taste a variety of different wines, beers, beverages. And um, that was a concept. And I actually wrote a senior project mm-hmm. for a wine bar that was going to be downtown San Luis Obispo called Salud. I still have the business plan oh, for it. 
let's open that. We should. Right. Yeah, Salud. absolutely. Salud, um, which means cheers, essentially. Right. So was going to do that. And um, when my and just needed, obviously, a little more experience. So um, when one of my biggest accounts back when I was repping wine was called the Wine Outlet in Tascadero. Again, some of you listeners may remember. Um, but it was the only place to buy truly international, a great selection of international wines. Joyce Swan. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we, she actually, she had some small children and wanted to sell and about five, six years into my wine repping career, um, she offered to sell it to me and I said yes. And we started the negotiation process of buying the business and her landlord, decided they didn't want to renew the lease, which was a blessing actually because the wine outlet and an outlet center in a Tascadero is not the most romantic place for... That's the one on Del Rio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And wine is a romantic thing. That's wine the is place about, where uh, businesses go to die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, isn't, there, isn't that where they're putting a Walmart? Is, is that what's going in? I, I don't know. They tried. The Tascadero said no to the Walmart. So what? So was, <laughs> was the wine outlets model the same as yours? Like small bites, Spanish? No, and Italian the varietals? wine outlet was strictly a retail wine shop. She had a tiny little tasting room. Sorry, she had a tiny little tasting bar. And what? One of the things I learned, having done everything from production to tasting room to retail sales to wholesale sales to pretty much the whole gamut, mm -hmm. is that. I discovered that there's different types of licenses that you can have. So the Alcohol and Beverage Control, or the ABC, in California has different licenses for people who produce wine, for people who sell wine, and for people who... So retail stores versus restaurants, okay. as well as bars. So there's essentially three different licenses that you can have to serve wine um, and sell wine. And by putting a tiny little bar in a retail shop that says, hey, I legally can open a bottle of wine and pour you a glass, right. you get a different discount scale than retail stores. So like take Costco, for example, that doesn't really count because they buy such large quantities of wine, which is why you get such great deals because right. they buy so much wine. They mark it up a tiny little bit, but they can because they sell so much of it. Yep. So the difference is restaurants, for example, you're going to pay – um, for a glass of wine, pretty much what they paid for the bottle. But a retail, like a grocery store that's not buying a ton of wine like Costco is, is going to pay a lot less, is going to pay a lot more than a restaurant would okay. pay for the wine. So that was kind of the little loophole that we found um, for opening something that had a quote unquote bar in it. Got it. So at the time, they were building the center that is now the Trader Joe's Center in Templeton. And Templeton is, has a little bit more. That's the, the center that the architect walked off before they designed the parking lot? Right? <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. center? Okay, yeah. yeah I know. It. Exactly. Yeah. Um, since the parking lot's so great, as oh, we yeah. all know and love. But, um, yeah, so I started talking to those guys. Or actually, they, they approached me when they heard that I was looking at purchasing the wine outlet. And I decided to open up right next to Trader Joe's, which everybody thought was crazy. Now, did they think you were crazy to focus on Spanish and Italian varietals in wine country, like Paso wine? I think that was part of it. And then the other part of it was um, 
you know, Trader Joe's has a pretty decent wine selection. Mm-hmm. And we didn't have Costco and we didn't have uh, BevMo or any of those things then. So Trader Joe's was the next big game in, to come into town. We didn't even have grocery outlet around, I don't think, back then. I don't think so. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think they just all thought I was crazy in general, mm-hmm. which is fine. And so you spent the next 10, 11 years sun up to sundown in the shop. Ten, The first solid 10 years, we were open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Wow. Yeah. And so was the bulk of your your sales coming from people coming in to have a drink or selling bottles? Um, originally, it was selling bottles. Mm-hmm. But it kind of, it was kind of funny. The old shop was like this long, narrow, kind of dark hole. It's where JNR is now, if, we, yeah. if anybody has been in there. Um, and it was kind of became, and I put a bar on one whole side. So there's actually room for, I think about 15 or 16 people. Do you guys remember old days? They're yeah, not, they're not, they're not, not even listening. Not even listening. They're, they're, yeah. um, the old Are days. off the air? I think 15. Check one. <laughs> Testing 15 one, or 16 people could fit along that bar. And um, it was kind of a hideout. Like people, you know, hey, honey, I'll go to, I'll go get the groceries at Trader Joe's. Right. Wink, wink. Yeah. And come back two hours later. Uh, um, smelling like Beaujolais. Like Beaujolais yeah. Nouveau and fine cheeses. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it turned into more of a bar. People would come in and buy really nice bottles of wine and sit there and share it with friends and drink. And that's when I started to add food because you can't sit there and drink without having something to nibble on. Something that soaks something up. Yep. Yep. So then I started adding food slowly, cheeses, good baguettes Mm -hmm. and fine meats and just made really simple bocadillo sandwiches with cheese and meat and olive oil and Soaked up the wine a little bit. So was there one, was there like one wine that was like your staple that you just were in love with when you started this thing? Like, like, like for me, if I were to open up a, um, a, a restaurant right now, I'd be like, I gotta have brisket, like super cheap brisket because I freaking love Texas style brisket like is there one spanish or italian varietal where you're like i gotta have this bottle available i mean i've I've always been a bubbles girl okay that's what i'm drinking right now Mm -hmm. so yeah it's sparkling wine and then spanish wines are some of my favorite wines and represent some of the best value in the world so spanish sparkling cava when you tell a person that you can buy a 15 dollar bottle of sparkling wine that is made the way that champagne is right that is bottle fermented and aged on the lees and doesn't have sugar and it's not sweet and it's not going to give you a headache like a lot of other sparkling wines that are carbonated with sugar added, people are sold. Right. And then once they taste it for themselves, they will never go back to low quality sparkling wines. Yeah. And so while we're on the subject of sparkling wines, uh, we we have uh, nicknamed it uh, Templeton uh, Templeton Mom Juice. I think we call it. <laughs> the Graham Beck is the Templeton Graham Mom Beck Juice. Is the Templeton Mom Juice. Yeah, we can't. If we are out of Graham Beck, we're in big trouble. Yeah, kids just... don't get picked up from school. There's crashes down Main Street. I mean, it's bad. It's bad news. Dinner doesn't get made. You get leftovers. Hold on. Your microphone. I know. Just I messed broke. up my yeah, mic. I, right. I wanted to it's sit right. back. I was trying not to wound your table and. 
Do you want some champagne? Do you need a refill on beer? I'm I'm gonna need a beer, but um, what I want to do is I want to take the camera around the store, uh, shop store. What do we want to call it? What's I call it the shop. Let's call it the shop. I'm gonna grab the camera and and walk around the shop, and you're gonna watch the the video. Okay. And narrate. Okay. Okay. Neil, do you want some champagne? Uh, I've got some sense here. Okay. Just checking. This is actually our house champagne. This is the Jay LaSalle. They opened it on accident, so I figured we should drink it. But it's a mother-daughter, grower-producer, oh. Premier Cru, traditional method champagne. Okay, so here's, here's, here's what everyone's seeing okay. right now. And then I'm going to grab the camera and walk around. Okay. Okay. And then I'm telling them what? Yeah. Well, actually, I'm going to go get a beer. Okay. So you're just going to... So... Is anybody watching this? I don't know. Five people are. I can see five. Besides the live audience. It'll be a podcast. Okay. And then it'll be living everywhere. Okay. All right, so over here, where are we at? That's your department. You tell them about that. Originally, it was like a gift area, and we were a bar, and you can have people under 21 in here. Now, all ages can come in, but I built that little nook for the kiddos to hang out in. Um, then it was like a gifty shop area, and now it is 15 coffee, not 15 cent coffee. It's, it's not 15 cent coffee, but it's uh, 15 coffee. So we uh, paired up with Spearhead. I forgot you don't have a mic over there. We paired up with Spearhead and... Uh, Mike's running the show and we are doing all the fancy coffee drinks. We're getting lovely little pastries, um, from back porch and what's the other company? Uh, Amy, and Jamie. Amy and Jamie's. So you can come in and get a scone, a muffin, a croissant, and any of those fancy coffee drinks all the way down to just a really good cup of coffee. We got a grab-and-go cheese case. If you're going on a picnic or whatever, you can come in and get a bottle of wine. You can get a piece of cheese, piece of sliced meats. We can You can pre-order. <laughs> it's a big piece of meat, Mike. You can, pre <laughs> you can pre-order um, our, our beautiful cheese and charcuterie trays, which actually give a little plug for the holidays. If you want to show up to a party or are hosting a party, you can let us do the work for you and chef Andre can build a beautiful cheese and charcuterie platter with all of the accoutrement. Um, now you're going over to the retail store area where we've got our bubbles. We've got our walk-in wine cooler where it's a perfect 15 degrees Celsius at all times. Temperature controlled wine room. Please come in. You need to cool off. That's the place to go. So our higher-end bottles are in there, but it's also just a nice little place to peruse. That is our riddling rack with all of the bubs on it. So we carry a lot of Spanish sparkling wine called Cava. We have a great champagne selection right now of beautiful high-end champagnes from Krug to the Jay LaSalle that I just told you guys about to the Biacart gift packs. Do, you should do all your shopping here for the holidays because you can have a drink while you shop. We'll wrap it up for you, and it'll be great. We have our white wine section. 
a red wine section, mostly international, lots of French and lots of Spanish wines. Our refrigerator packed full of all the rosés, all the white wines, all of our by the glass wines, all sorts of stuff. Our wine club, which we should talk about, our lovely patrons that all but one participated in the Broga yesterday. We got Broga people. We have, we, uh, yeah, we're, we're a full-blown restaurant, so you can come in and get a wonderful pizza, salad, sandwich, cheese plate. Um, we've got all kinds of non-alcoholic beverages. We've got the hard kombuchas, the hard seltzers, beer on draft, beer in cans, more bubbles. Over here. That's our little nook. It's my head. And we've got a big old patio that expands even past the patio. Some people enjoying their lunch. Ooh, and some Beaujolais. All right, you got the tour. Okay. That was the tour. Now we're going uh, refills and inviting Neil in. Refills, and we should probably invite Neil's eating his lunch. Maybe we should. Give him a minute. Joe, are you done with your lunch? Joe's done with his lunch. All right, so uh, like the 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 regular course of, of how the show will flow is. Oh, we're we're messing up your agenda. No, I'm just saying. You know, on a typical show, it's not always going to be. What's happening with my microphone? <laughs> it's not always going to be. You know, Beaujolais Nouveau Day, Nouveau Day, Nouveau. 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 Uh, so we want to talk about local stuff. We want to talk about what's happening on the uh, at the wine shop. We want to talk about specials, what the chef has on the menu, which we're going to get chef in or, uh, a little later. Um, and for me personally, I would benefit from you giving us a little wine 101 from time to time. Like we kind of had a little I think we bit. we did with the cava for oh, a second. We did. I think it's your microphone. That's not working or what? I don't know. We're getting some static. What's what's going on? Check one. Technical two. difficulties. There we go. We're good. All right. Uh, yeah, some wine one hundred and one. Like uh, Joe's going to give us some wine one hundred and one about the gamay gamay. He but, did it. Beaujolais Nouveau is typically made from the grape gamay. Joe did it in the Templeton style. Okay. Off of our good friend Matt Nally Ducey's ranch, mm -hmm. um, just down the street. The Cat, Cater, Caterina? Caterina. Yeah, Caterina's, which is um, their daughter. And it's their estate vineyard right off the back side of their house. And he made a carbonic maceration Beaujolais Nouveau style wine out of Grenache. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Barton in the house. Great grandmother or grandmother. Oh. I think it's Janelle and Matt's grandmother. That makes more sense. Yes, I believe so. But I'm, uh, yeah, we'll have to get the uh, confirmation from the uh, DC family on that one. There's lots of, lots of names, lots of people, lots of ranches. So, uh, uh, lots not, of deuces. Not as many as you think, but there's a few. Yeah. There's definitely a few. Uh, yeah. So, no, we did the, the Grenache out of that uh, cool Bougelet style. I was stoked. I, you know, it was that wasn't necessarily the initial intent was to release it this early, but it was ready and, and it was it was clean. It was pretty. 
Um, yeah, you brought it in yesterday and poured us all some, and we were like, "Oh my gosh, this is delicious!" I'm Can we go sell it, it immediately? Yeah, I'm ready for it. Let's let's hit it. No, like and like like you were saying, it's like there's there's none available in the whole western united states or i don't don't even know if you can get it in like the eastern united states at this point i i don't know so that that's a good thing to talk about beaujolais nouveau is typically the first wine released from the harvest oh no hey it's mark it's mark adams come say hi mark adams Hi. Hi. Come talk to me. So that's the thing. That's the thing about the epicenter of wine country. You never know who's going to show up. No. Not only is Mark a winemaker, but he's a musician. The camera's over there, Mike. Mark. Whatever. Whichever. Whichever. Mike. Mark. (laughs) Double M's. He's here too. There he is. We got the crew. Okay. So back to back to Beaujolais Nouveau. It's the first wine that's released from the harvest, but like. Everything else that we get from overseas, we can't get it. Currently, yes. Currently. Yeah. With, we found out with any product that you want, whether it be a chip for your car, glass, corks, actually, oddly enough, you can get. But most other thing else in the wine business, we can't get that either. Why can we get corks? The, por- the Portuguese must have be on their game. Uh, and you know, they, they, they actually, yeah, they, I think they have a routine. They Well, they take the whole, they take pretty much July and August off, so... <laughs> <laughs> but Chris, I haven't currently started asking for cork lately, so who knows? Plus, cork is really light, and as opposed to glass and wine and things that are expensive to. They air freight those mostly. Yeah, yeah. So you can you can get you can get something like that a little bit quicker. Wait, but... show everybody this beautiful bottle. Yeah, it's the color is amazing. Hey, you already took the, my little my little I, label well, off. So this is a pre-release, pre-release, pre-release. So um, just really truthfully, you know, finished off fermentation. About a week ago or so, probably get two weeks ago. Then we've been chilling it, getting it nice and cold, trying to get some more and more clarity out of it every day. Um, but yeah, 2021 harvested for second week of September. It even says bottled exclusively for 15C. It was. That makes me so happy. <laughs> it, it truthfully was. In a, in a hurry. In a hurry. In a hurry. Yeah, yeah. Rock, okay. Let's Less than up. 24 hours. Let's follow some cases and have some fun. <laughs> have you guys ever seen someone left handed that doesn't open wine, open wine? We're about to. I know. Don't mess up. I'm super nervous. This is being recorded. I mean, the cool thing about this is it it truly is a nouveau style. We can Mm -hmm. call it Templeton Nouveau style wine made in the epicenter of wine country. The epicenter Epicenter of wine country. country, Using the carbonic method for the most part, right? Yeah. I'm not as familiar with how the Beaujolais and the Gamays, as far as their winemaking Mm -hmm. technique on that side. Um, I know that we're, our initial intention was to do a carbonic, but then as it started kind of rolling out, we're like, well, it's ready. It could be very much a nouveau in style, but um, you may know better than I do as far as how they handle the Gamay in in Beaujolais, as far as how they go about that fermentation. Because ours was strictly, realistically a carbonic maceration, but um, I'm curious to see what, what what the call is on that. I have not been there during harvest but everything that I have experienced in red is that what you told me you did by putting the whole clusters in the tank, kind of sealing it, heating it up, letting fermentation begin from within inside the berries mm-hmm. because of the temperature, the berries eventually burst. Yep. And then you don't want to press it or crush it. The, the idea is to avoid as much skin and stem, stem contact, contact as yeah. possible so mm-hmm. that you get this bright, beautiful, pop of bubblegum flavored fruity 
Jolly Rancher kind of delicious characteristic, which is why we also that serve table this slightly s- strawberry. Like, yeah. yeah. Well, that's funny because you're right. Then that's that was really our, I think, wasn't necessarily our intent because you're right. We we you know let the 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 sealed fermentation go for. Uh, I think we said 35 days, but actually might have been longer. Oh, wow. Um, we kept it sealed before we pulled it. And, yeah, instead of, like, I think a lot of traditional carbonic, they, they'll macerate it and they'll let it ferment on the on the stem for a little while. We uh-huh. didn't. We pulled it. We pressed it. Um, and just because of the fragrance. I mean, I think last year we'd done a little carbonic, and that stem profile gets a little aggressive um, and in a good way. Uh, Sorry, I'm doing a test here. Testy, testy. <laughs> Testing. One, testy. two, three. But yeah, no, press it off right away. All you did was retain the freshness. Um, there's still some residual sugar when you press it off because it hasn't finished. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just raced through fermentation um, in the tank afterwards. This one's actually, what I love about it is that in Brad and I's style, it's um, completely natural. Um, made of fermentation and has gone through malolactic naturally. So this this is a completely finished, done, don't have to do anything to this wine. That's a whole nother conversation to get into (laughs) the natural wine thing. But, you know, one thing is because of Gamay and Beaujolais, the carbonic maceration method is something that a lot of winemakers are using around the world because it just makes a it's an absolutely delicious wine that you can release young. Mm -hmm. I mean, you pour it in anyone's glass and they're just going to say, wow, this smells amazing. It's delicious. Like, can we make, you know, a bubble bath out of this or something it's just absolutely brad always has the best uh, expression for like the carbonic it's confectionery confectionery yeah you get get those really those confectionery aromatics like you know like cotton candies and things like Mm -hmm. that things like you know these um not cooked sugars but just like um uh these candied sugars that you only get through you know things like that so any of these even in whole berry fermentation when you have them in red ferments show that out as well but Something like this. It's just, it's, it's all that. Which fun, interesting, fun fact, fun story. Uh, Beaujolais kind of got a bad rap, like white Zinfandel, like Mm -hmm. rosés. And again, that's another episode, but you know, Beaujolais Nouveau was always stacked hot case, case stacked super high in the grocery stores this time of year, right about today until through Thanksgiving. And it had these big, bright, fancy colored labels and it was marketed as turkey wine, the perfect wine to put on your Thanksgiving table <laughs> instead of what it actually is, which is a celebration of the uh, harvest. Of the harvest. But, it but was, since it was here and it was around Thanksgiving. Right. It was <laughs> the Hallmark handy. holiday that they decided to ruin this amazing tradition, French tradition by making it turkey wine for everybody to drink too much of well, and eat too much turkey. Well, it's funny. It completely goes with that meal, though. It I does mean, go perfect. It, it does, goes, however, go, really go good perfectly with, that meal. with the meal, uh, which is probably how it got started. But this one producer, uh, George DeBeuf, uh-huh. was, who is still the largest producer Beaujolais, yeah. in the Beaujolais region, um, he got busted. It was like 1980, I want to say two, for putting fake flavoring Ooh. into his wine. Into a still wine. So into, doing, it a little, yes. doing it differently. A, I, oh, a little, yeah. yeah faking I, it until he made it because he had to make so much of it. Mm-hmm. So don't drink that. My point is don't, don't do that. And also it gave the whole region and the whole style of wine a really, really bad rap. 
which it shouldn't be the case. This should be a celebratory beverage, just like a nice bottle of champagne. Mm-hmm. We're celebrating the hard work you guys have been going through for the last, well, whole year, but also, you know, the end of harvest. I mean, what did you do on the last day of your last pick besides? I know what he did. He came in here and bought champagne for his whole entire team. We did. Actually, yeah. that's right. Yeah, we had we had the last day of barbecue. Uh, well, you know, it's funny, though, and I actually think about it. The uh, that the whole Beaujolais thing is, is pretty often when you think about it, because um, for the producer, it would be one of the first things you would pick, um, generally because it'll be something that's fresh, fragrant, it's, it's young. Um, and then you throw it in the tank. And the cool thing out uh, is you spend the rest of the, you know, the next couple of weeks like killing it. It's like you got all these things coming in, yeah. processing, processing. The, the harmonic thing's over in the corner. You you keep, you know, once, twice a week, you gas in it, you know, you know, you're trying to put some air on it. And so you're like, okay, all right. And you kind of forget about it, honestly. And it keeps it super clean. And then all of a sudden you pull it, you're like, hey, we should go check the tank of carbonic and see what's going on. How many days has that thing been closed? <laughs> and you're like, I don't know. Right, let's look. Let's you know? try it. Let's, well, you, you do because you, you'll get a little bit of juice on the bottom of the tank. So uh-huh. you'll try that. Yeah. Though you don't know that or think that's really what's in there. Okay. Because in reality, there's a lot still left in the skins and the berries. So you don't really necessarily know exactly what you have. Oh. But you're kind of just trying it out of the bottom of the valve. Just be like, okay, what's oh. has it evolved? And what's the color like? You know what yeah. I mean? And, and, you, and the idea, too, is you're like, okay, is it is it still super clean because mm-hmm. you want to make sure you keep the co2 on it constantly 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 yeah. and then eventually like in and, and the and the whole part of it is like when are you going to take the lid off when are you truthfully going to expose it to air because that's the deal it's done yeah the deal's been made you can't really go backwards at that point so it's like you know how long do you want it to go how long do you want it to go and i remember when we pulled this grenache which is the first time we've done it with this wine um with these grapes we pulled it and we're like it looked like almost like it was still intact. It was super weird. It was like the, the skins had started to break down, but everything on the top like this color. was super clean. But we didn't know what was down on the bottom. So because the, the, the weight of the grapes keep pushing and, and breaking them as they go along. Uh, so, yeah. And then Mark Adams loves it. <laughs> it's a geeky wine. You know you like it. <laughs> Did you filter this? That's unfiltered. Not filtered a not filtered a lick, which so which is cool to see just the clarity of that just being harvested two months ago. Yeah, that's impressive. So it's like a surprise in a tank, mm-hmm. but you got to forget about it, but don't don't mess for, it up too much. Don't when you forget check about it. it, but also don't touch it. Don't mess with it. <laughs> don't, don't touch it, but don't you're forget about it. Fooling with everything else. You're in the middle of harvest. You are fooling with everything. You're tweaking yeah. this, tweaking that. Hey, we should pump that one over. Hey, should we punch that one down? We should grab that one. Is it going to come in? Yes. What are we going to do? You know, you got all these different things you got going on. That's the one thing you don't touch, you don't mess with, and you just gotta have gotta have faith in it. Is there ever like a like a bad surprise in a tank? I suppose there could be. I mean, honestly, yeah. if you don't, if you if you haven't kept the CO two on it, and you haven't kept it without oxygen, yeah, it could get a little weird on yeah. you, and it would be unfortunate because that's the beauty of it. Is like it, you've you've kept it in a pristine condition of keeping all the air off because that way all that inberry native fermentation in you know in you know, without oxygen, that's what creates all these confectionery flavors. How much of this did you guys make? Did you make some of regular, like still red wine we did. from the yes, vineyard? Yes, same okay. vineyard. Yes, we did. Um, we did, it was about a ton. So we're thinking we're going to have like maybe 60 cases, something like Not that. Not very much. No, no. I mean, it, it's for fun. Honestly, this is one of those things for us. It's for fun. Yeah. I mean, we're going to experiment. We're going to sell a little bit, but I mean, we're, I'm stoked. It's ready for Thanksgiving. I, it's, because I didn't I'm think it would be Thanksgiving for yeah. sure. 
I already had I already to text him Matt and Allie. Matt's like, hey. Have they tried it yet? No, he's he like, needs to get down here. Yeah, he's like, hey, can I get some of that for Thanksgiving? I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> you want some of your wine or some your wine grapes? from your grapes? I think it'd be cool as a grower too, because I mean it's that quick. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, generally those guys, they you know, they, they bring the fruit in. They don't expect to taste anything from that vintage for months or years. Wow. Well, and and in France, going back to that, they have a huge party, which I think would be so much fun to do here if people got on you know, if, if we had a few people, and I know we've got one or two other producers doing carbonic style, I don't know that anybody's released anything officially. Not that you haven't even released this officially, but, but we could of the 2021 vintage, you know, and do. I mean, I everyone's exhausted after harvest, but the whole idea is we're going into the holidays. Everyone's going to be exhausted, anyways. But it, it is a celebration of a year's worth of work, and you have a finished product in a bottle right now. What? When did you finish your official last pick? Oh. Last pick for me was, shoot, maybe three weeks ago. Neil? Claude was still, you done? Done, yeah. done? Yeah. But not but recently. I saw grapes coming in today. No, we, we finished about three. Yeah, there's yeah. still people harvesting. Not too many, though. Right I, there's a few. But, yeah, there's probably th- three weeks ago. But the thing in Paso or Templeton or Central Coast, which would be cool, is that you really would have to get some a group of producers to commit to one ton of their really good stuff but pick it early it's more you almost pick it like you're going to pick it for champagne or rosé mm-hmm. you, you know you don't want it to be too fleshy and too big and too boozy yeah. this is 135 so it needs to be about 22 23 21 sugar pick it then pick it with acidity uh, and get it in fresh uh, and get somebody to we need to get like five or six ten producers to commit to a ton a year There'd be a lot and of and throw a party in the Templeton Park. Absolutely, it wouldn't be that it's, hard. I'm, we're doing it. The epicenter the next epicenter. year. The epicenter. That wouldn't be impossible. I, let me know. Let us know if you want to make a carbonic Mark Adams wine for next Grenache. year. Neil um, Roberts. The carbonic festival. I already got Clavo, Ledge, <laughs> and Barton. I got three. We only need two more. Oh, we could get like five more. That would be easy. I mean, there's guys who are making rosé in that same kind of pick pick realm they're like i mean they're picking that fruit yeah. for rosé why wouldn't you make one of these well that's what i was gonna say like my favorite time of year for wine is around may <laughs> i'm wearing a dress i can't do that thank you um is around may when all the rosés the, the new vintage of rosés which mm-hmm. this year was like a month ago you know because again yeah, we can't yeah, get it took that long yeah but um you know this is this is kind of like one of those wines that can hold up like a red wine but just has that delicious fruitiness and you can serve it slightly chilled. You should serve it slightly chilled, yes. not not right out of the refrigerator, but slightly 55 chilled. 55 was what we said yesterday. 15, 15 degrees Celsius. Is that, is that 55? <laughs> I don't even know. 50, 50, 55, It's more like 56. 14 to 13 Celsius okay. is maybe okay. your proper Beaujolais Nouveau temperature serving. More like a white wine. Okay. But you can stick it in the refrigerator and pull it out. So let it sit on the counter for 30 minutes and then it's good to go. And they're not short timer wines either. Everybody, you know, I mean, they're not, you really should not be having one over vintage. You know I mean? You're like, okay, we bottled this. There should not be anything left by the next harvest. Yeah. That's the idea. Kind of like, I'm that personally with roses. I think the same thing. I agree. You know, it's for maybe Tavelle. There's a few. Got a little skin. Some Bandol. 
There's some that can age, but yeah. for the most part, these are revolved every year. And that's what makes it funny. Like, hey, you got any more life? Like, absolutely not. That wasn't the plan. <laughs> the plan was I'll to revolve to drink it. Yeah. And then here shortly, we'll make some more. Exactly. And we'll start the, the process over again. So, Mike, what have you learned? I, I, I'm still, I'm still <laughs> stuck on, I'm still stuck on the. He's the still nouveau. trying to say Beaujolais. Nouveau. Yeah. No. So the, the, the nouveau. Uh, We're gonna do a vocabulary yeah. test later. Uh, Beaujolais <laughs> is the region. Yes. Okay. Um, so the Grenache is not the region. No, that's a varietal. Yeah. Gamay so, is the so variety. If we were gonna do the nouveau for here, what would we call it? You can make a you can make a nouveau nouveau just the word in but French. But you can means make it new. out of any grape. You just yeah. chose Grenache. Yeah, I mean we we in truth probably did label it right. Grenache nouveau. I mean yep. it's it's a term. I think it's perfect. It's the varietal, it's it's done in a nouveau style. And that's what you could do in the States. So Beaujolais, the Beaujolais, TV, they may say different, Beaujolais, but, uh, Beaujolais, 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 is that a grape a and a region? It's not a ghost. Beaujolais is the region. Gamay is the varietal. Gamay. Most Beaujolais are made out of for okay. that particular wine. Yeah. I don't, there's other grape varietals in Beaujolais that they make different wines out of. They actually, I just, this, like a month ago, got in a white Beaujolais, cool. which I had not had before. What's the variety? Chardonnay. Nice. So they do grow some Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, and that's pretty much all I know of. But in order to bottle it as a Beaujolais, um, it needs to be what it needs to be a rouge, Beaujolais Rouge is Gamay. Okay, and a Beaujolais Blanc. Chardonnay, I Chardonnay. guess. Yeah, I about, hadn't seen one what before. What about the Pinot Noir? What do they do with that? I think they. I think that it gets to get declassified and blended in. I think they can actually consider it. Uh, I think they can combine it into the Burgundy region. Okay. And you get that warmer, riper mm -hmm. fruit so that if you are just doing a Burgundy Rouge, mm -hmm. you can you can pull fruit from anywhere within. So there, the, may, the, may, there may be a little Gamay in that Bourgogne mm -hmm. Rouge? There could be. I mean, yeah. the, that whole, the whole Burgundy region stems from, you know, all the way the, the Cote de Nuit down through the Cote de Bone mm -hmm. and the Cote d'Or, and it just goes out. So it's kind of like, to me... The Burgundy regions, like say California, and then you go into the Cote de Nuit or the Cote de Bone, and that pairs it down to the Central Coast. Mm -hmm. And then you go into the Village wines, and yep. that pairs it down to Paso. And then you go into the Premier Cru wines, and that pair that yeah, then there dwindles it down to the specific for sure vineyard. Caterina's Vineyard. Yeah, Vineyard doesn't it close <laughs> a lot of clothes, and yeah. then the Premier Cru's and the Grand Cru's and all that good stuff. Oddly enough, that's a place I've been to more than most. Wine regions is Burgundy, which is weird. I love Burgundy, but we should talk about the crew. The crew, there are crew Beaujolais. Have you had much crew Beaujolais? I have not. So there's there's um, eleven crew that are like single vineyards, but they're larger than a vineyard. They call them crew, not close. They call them crew, okay. not a close. So okay. a single vineyard in Burgundy would be a close. Yes, like Premier Crew or Grand Crew. Mm -hmm. In Beaujolais, they're called um, they're called they're called what did I just say? You said crew. Crew. Yes. They're called, so they're. Grand crew and premier crew for Beaujolais or no? No, they are, they're, they're just specific regions. So Morgon, um, uh, and I'm blanking on, there's. This is the educational stuff. We're going D. Yeah, this is 101 right here. Yeah, we're going 411. long enough. Big time. Yeah. Um, You're writing this down? I'm like, where's the wine outlet? So these, so these, so the, it's a grocery outlet now. 
<laughs> Which is say, I love that. I love that whole story, the by the way. Just, it was. It we was, could have been the 15C outlet. All yeah, of our wines uh, are 15 cents. I have. I have a, <laughs> it's so funny because you were talking about the swans. I, I have a funny story about that. Well, we can talk off we'll, air. We'll but, have to bring that back. She yeah, comes in occasionally. Yeah. Join Roger. Join Roger. Uh, um, so, There's yeah. a fire down there. <laughs> That's that's just the the line from the story. So we'll go from there. <laughs> Morgona is my favorite of all the crew. Um, okay, and I, I've many had producers, just like just like the single vineyards in Burgundy, multiple producers can make the crew the sing the single crew, mm-hmm. and those are considered the highest quality gamay, and they're made much like a Burgundy, and they can age for years and years and years, and they're absolutely beautiful. Because they're still wines, and they're made. Mm-hmm. They're okay. Yeah. In fact, if I I will go look in the cellar, and if I have one, which I think I might, we'll open it and do a little comparison. Sweet education station. And some white Beaujolais, too. Yeah, I know. I'm in. There's so many obscure things that most of us just don't see or know. That's what makes it... That's right. what makes it fun. While, while you go look, you guys talk amongst yourselves. We're, we're going to bring in Neil Roberts. Yeah. Come on in, is Neil. He, is he ready? Did he finish? Finish it, Neil. Finish it. All right, in case you are just uh, joining us, we are celebrating the culmination of, what is it, Harvest 2021? Uh, no, it's uh, Neil's colonoscopy. <laughs> Neil's colonoscopy. <laughs> As you dip into your potato chips. Yeah. Oh, uh, the epicenter of Neil's <laughs> colonoscopy. Uh, hey. I'm here to be serious, not to be funny. I know. That's I'm right. Sorry. That's yeah. right. These truffle chips are fantastic, though. <laughs> if anyone knows Neil, you know he's serious. I'm so serious. Yeah. All right. Uh, Neil Roberts, uh, Clavo Sellers, Roberts Vineyard Services. Welcome. Hey. Nope. How are you? Nice to see you again, Mike. Good to see you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And, yeah. And you and I met uh, here, uh, probably. Yeah. Um, like most people who come here, they meet. I've you. met a lot of people here. Yeah, it's a great place to meet people. It's a good place to meet um, people. people. So people that you like or whatever. What, what's your take on the epicenter of wine country, also known as 15 degrees C? Well, I, what, what's my take? Yeah, what's my, your t- t- my take is that, you know, it's a, it's a great place to, like we just said, meet family, friends, uh, meet some. I know Ali's introduced me to a lot of different types of wines that I've really enjoyed. She's educated me, um, which you know that's that's a that's a pretty big tall order, right? Right, yeah. Because yeah. I'm not that smart. So, sure. but uh, but anyway, uh, it's it's fun. I mean, it's you know, Templeton is such a quaint town, and you can still park without having to pay for parking. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it's kind of nice. So for now, for now, yes. No, I yeah. we will. People can park in my parking lot for not paying. So you know, okay. but we, 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 we are not going to ever have paid parking here. So, but anyway, just kidding. But it's just, it's great. You know, it's, it's a, it's a good, good little town. It's where the locals hang out. Um, but, and both of you guys are from the Valley originally. Yep. Which yep. Valley? Yep. The, Which Valley? The, the, the Central Valley. <laughs> it would be the San Joaquin Central Valley. Southern San Joaquin. <laughs> just making yeah. sure to get clarification. There's lots yeah. of valleys. The San Joaquin Valley. Yeah. Not I'm from the San Fernando Valley. Yeah. Exactly. You're not right. the San Fernando Valley. Not Yeah. The... He's from Bakersfield. I'm from the Fresno area. Mm-hmm. So we both come from farming backgrounds. Yeah. It, it, not, he... not me. I'm actually a construction background. Oh, okay. Well, I'm the me. Yeah. So, yeah. You're the, he's a great farmer from way back. Yeah. His dad was a raisin farmer. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. And actually, I went back to my roots this year. Made some raisins? Well, I made some, uh, made, grew some Thompsons and uh, actually sold them to a winery for juice. So That's fun. Yeah. That's going old school. Yeah. And actually, we had a couple of wineries. Actually, I had a few extra, I had a little bit of extra tonnage. And uh, I was telling Joe that uh, they actually bought them and they're going to make vermouth out of them. So, yeah. It's so, a fortified wine that's been uh, yeah. botanicized. I, I, it's actually the, only, the, the bottle in 1999, we got home from a, a bar in Hollywood. We had just finished playing a show. We had a party at our house, drank everything in the house. The only thing that was left was a bottle of vermouth. Mm-hmm. And then so me and my roommate drank the bottle and went to bed. How was that? We went to bed right after. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I think it's that's bottle of vermouth had probably been sitting there for quite some time yeah yeah for it's sure. usually the problem with vermouth is everybody thinks it's a spirit so they can just open it and it'll, it'll yeah. last forever not, no not the case it's a boozy wine but right. it's not that boozy yeah so what what's a thompson grape like, like what's the difference so the thompson grape is, is is what they actually call a three-way grape because you can make raisins you can grow for table grapes or you can juice it for wine. So that's why Neil really likes that grape. <laughs> <laughs> because it's a three-way grape. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Oh, <laughs> it's because it makes really good raisins. Oh, <laughs> that's it, Joji. Yeah, right. Anyway, um, <laughs> thought I'd spice it up a little. Yeah, right, thanks yeah, for that. For sure. Anyway, are there any kids here? Uh, <laughs> um, Look at those people next enjoying question. that. They are. Everybody's enjoying it. It's awesome. It's killing it. Yeah. So let's talk about the uh, three-way grape. Did we pour? <laughs> let's pour Neil some of this. Yeah. Let's do. Oh, wait a minute. Let, I don't let have me a grab a glass. Well, we can get you some. You guys talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> All right, Neil. Show is ours. Let's take it for a ride. <laughs> Mark, get over here. Hey, We've, they gave it. They, get over here. They gave, they gave us the mics all by ourselves. Yeah, come on. Let's really let's really make it entertaining. <laughs> I'm gonna open some really nice Burgundy if that matters. Oh, yes, actually. absolutely, it does matter. It's my favorite region of the world. So Ooh. I didn't have any. Those are some I didn't good have pulls. Any, um, thing from Beaujolais, which is kind of crazy so because I really wanted to talk about Cru Beaujolais, but. We're on the Burgundy train, so the Bourgognon Alligote. I got some cool Alligote from a region Thanks, in sir. Burgundy, a village in Burgundy called Bouzeron, which I like to say because it's boozy. Thank you. That's good for Burgundy. So for Burgundy, the only other white grape allowed besides Chardonnay is this little tiny grape called Alligote, mm-hmm. which has my name in it. So I also like it for that region. It's Ali's go-to. It's Ali's go. Tay, it is. Okay. <laughs> oh, I like it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. That's, that's a really nice wine, actually. All right. Do I need to get more glasses or you brought one? I mean, I uh, have two. Everybody should probably have two, a white and a red. Are you are you producer and wine glass getter? I'm, I'm yeah, I'm all of it. I can go get more glasses. Oh, I got it. I don't I don't know where they're at, so I do. So then I, I also brought <laughs> the next wine I'm going to open is from Von Romanet, and it is a uh, Premier Cru. And fun fact about Burgundy, which you two both know, but what happened was all the villages appended the name of the village to that of their most famous vineyard. 
So it's confusing as all get out for anybody in the wine. Right. Yeah. Everybody thinks Romane. Oh my God, I'm drinking Romani Conti. Nope. Which goes for Neil. You've got a few of those. How many, how, how much does that go for a bottle? A uh, minimum of a thousand. Thousand. To, two, to two thousand. And there's like what? Not, two hectares total? Yeah. 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 I've been there. I did the, we, I did the, the ceremonial picture in front of the. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually actually got to taste wines there at the on the vineyard oh yeah holy moly that's really cool yeah it was a it was an eye it was actually a life experience it was amazing wow so, that's really cool yeah I heard about that oh yeah you want to hear about it yeah talk about it phone romani mark adams um so i actually went when i was working for robert madavi winery i got invited to go talk to lecture so we did a uh, burgundy exchange where oregon california and french producers we all lectured at uh, the university of burgundy for like a seminar so to speak and we talked about our growing regions and what makes them unique and stuff but afterwards um, the university was so kind to take us around to all these great wineries and so we got to go into uh, drc mm-hmm. and it was amazing as you can imagine, yeah, <clears throat> and um, so the the cellar master very stoic as he well he should be, right? So you know, and he's talking, and and we're like sitting there going like our eyes in the stars, and and um, he goes, "Well, um, would you guys like to taste some wines in the cellar?" And I go, "Yeah, that would be a good <laughs> thing." <laughs> Out of the barrel, by the way. Oh, even better. Yeah. And he goes, uh, well, this is like 1976, and it was a really not a very good year. I think that's what the year was. And it was like still in the barrel, by the way. Still in the barrel. Wow. Yeah. And it was amazing. Wow. It was like, because this is 1976, and the year that we were there was 96. So it was wow. amazing. So uh, it's absolutely the probably what i would say my best uh, my go-to wine not that i drink it every day by the way but uh, but it's it's an amazing experience it's 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 something else but burgundy is a is a very special place in europe for sure so i i remember in burgundy when i did a bunch of you know touring and tasting of the newer vintages you know especially you would go down into the cellars and they the 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 barrel sampling of the prior year's vintage it was what i would call Teeth enamel stripping. I mean, it's just, yeah. so much acidity right. and so much freshness. Oh, and, it's amazing. And they, they have a lot of time to go. Right. And that's what makes Red Burgundy so fantastic is they have a, I mean, their 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 life and their opportunity for on, aging is, is. And on top of that, we were actually there the, uh, when, uh, when Bouge, uh, uh, what we're celebrating wow. today, we were actually in France when that was happening. Say oh, it. You have to fun. say it. Bougelet. 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 And um, bougie and it was a lot of fun. And there was, and, and, and the producers, we were on tours, we were on tours the next day, and the, they were like totally hungover. And it was, uh, Get me to the nearest breakfast burrito, right? <laughs> but, but the other great experience, uh, we had was, uh, as a group, we went to coat, we went to coat the bone and went to, um, basically what, what we do here is a hospice, but it's hospice the bone. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing. We got to mm-hmm. taste all these barrel samples from last year's vintage, mm-hmm. and it was oh, absolutely fun. yeah. So, because that's the big, it's the hospice tomorrow, or is it the church? It's a church. It's a church. Yeah, yeah. I've been in there too. Yeah, yeah. It's super pretty. Yeah, it was, it was the hostel for the sick and infirm, and that's it was funded. Right. 
originally right. by an auction that all the vignerons in Burgundy would get together and make wine together and that wine would get sold or auctioned off and the money from that was raised to keep the Hospice de Bonne mm -hmm. in business taking care of and people would come from all over France because it's the only oh, place yeah. that it's they could go if they were ill and needed to be cared for fed and cared for and kept warm and everything right. and, and it's amazing <laughs> if I could have bought a barrel or two I would have brought them home oh, I bet. yeah <laughs> but there it was a great experience. Some chips. So they're truffle chips. They go perfect. I already had some. I'm trying not to eat them again. <laughs> All right. I, I want to hear uh, Neil's come to grapes story when he realized he wanted to be involved in wine. Yours also. But first, talk talk about this. What are we drinking? So, yeah. So we just switched to. Um, we're we're moving north in France because I don't have any other wines from the Beaujolais region, <clears throat> but. The next best, next best thing would be Burgundy. So this is a fun little white wine to start out with. It's uh, from a region called Bouzeron, which is on the southern part of Burgundy. It's a grape called Aligoté, which is the other white grape allowed to be planted in Burgundy. In fact, Aligoté, at one point, um, there were more plantings of it than Chardonnay. It, out, it outplanted Chardonnay in Burgundy because it produced more. And when wine in Burgundy was very much a religious product, um, originally made by the monks in that region, um, it, Aligoté was produced more grapes, right? Mm. Larger yields. Yep. So it's a bigger bunch. It's a bigger bunch. So when they discovered, when they started moving in, it started turning into more of the nobility. And then the marriage laws started to separate plots of land, which is why one of the really interesting things about Burgundy is that you've got so many tiny, tiny, like Joe mentioned, like two hectare or smaller single vineyards in this entire region. It was because through marriage, the vineyards were split into pieces. So it was split by your children almost as a dowry type of thing by the <clears throat> nobility. And that's why you look at a map of Burgundy. Neil has an amazing one in his office. And it's just all these little tiny, crazy little tiny plots of land that are almost impossible to memorize. In mm -hmm. fact, if you're a Burgundy nut and you, you know all of your single Grand Cru vineyards, there are like one of my favorite wines that I have in the cellar right now that I almost grabbed that now I'm probably going to have to grab is a vineyard <laughs> called Les Souchaux, which is like a couple hectare vineyard that is completely surrounded on all sides by Grand Cru, yet it's a Premier Cru vineyard. Yeah. So, you know, with these little tiny rock walls and it's just crazy that the soil types, the quality of each individual plot was depicted so long ago. Um, and then there's so many different owners of each little tiny plot like Claude de Vigeau, which is the most famous one. And, um, and then that the, the land was just broken up. So well, anyways, then Chardonnay became considered a higher quality grape and they started ripping out Aligoté. And it was only this tiny little village, Bouzeron, that said, we're going to stick to Aligoté and that's going to be our jam. And that's what they did. And, and the monks, uh, basically they were on their hands and knees classifying these mm -hmm. um, soils and that's where that's where the premier crew comes and the grand crews come from so it was i mean they, i've seen uh, when i was there they actually showed like to the whatever you want to call it to the inch like where they describe the soils and it, it's it's wow. amazing yeah 
the funny thing is, is that when you go there and you're just like, you know, happenstance. So I was with four winemakers and we were like cruising around. We're like, okay, hey, let's go to the bone. And we had like a picnic. Well, I guess go to the farmer's market. We get a bunch of stuff like let's go out to, you know, we went past Merceau. We'd already been to Merceau. We're like, we're going to go to Mont Rocher. Let's go out there. So then we're these guys. Got a couple vans. Actually, I think just one van. Sorry. And we just. Four big guys if you needed exactly. help. <laughs> we were poor big guys. Um, the funny thing about it. So we're like, okay, let's just pull yeah. off. Let's go in. We're like, we know where we had the map. We had that map you're talking about. We're looking at it. We're like, all right, we're in uh, Chaudney Mont Rocher. And like, and then it is all rock walled you know each every little plot's got its own little rock wall around it so we're like let's pull in literally just pulled in parked the car right next to the vines and we're like let's have a lunch (laughs) knowing that at any point i was waiting for some frenchman to just run up and just start screaming at us like you can't just do that and they never did and you can yeah i know that was a crazy thing i got i got a picture of it and and and, uh it was uh, i'll have to look in and see what uh what vineyard it was but we just thought that was the most fun entertaining thing because there is so much history there and it's so serious and it's so you know thought out thought thought provocative you know kind of thing for years mm-hmm. and then now all of a sudden you know for us to 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 see that it'd be like going in templeton and going and having everybody that you yeah. winery that you know all have their own little rock walls and their own little spots it's and, like meeting your biggest idol yeah. like Everybody sitting knows in a it vineyard for yeah. for us is like, oh, my God, we're, I'm sitting in Marache right now. Totally. I'm feeling completely illegal about it. This is, <laughs> this is so wrong. That's how did I you feel when I'm vineyard? hanging out with you guys. Of course I did. Well, <laughs> actually, was, actually, I got the boys. I did, too. The boys actually got really mad at me because I was taking every we were all rocks. We were, yes, I do, too. I You're took rock rocks stealer. from I, we were all over the Rhone, Burgundy. Yep. Uh, and I was grabbing rocks from everyone I went to. They're like, you got to stop doing that. Leave only footprints, take only pictures, Joe. I know, I, but I, I wanted stones. <laughs> let's, re- let's rename the show uh, Wine Nerds, right? And like, Mike. And Mike, and yeah. Mike. <laughs> Wine Nerds and Mike. Yeah. Well, what's interesting about Burgundy is Burgundy was always controlled by the, Fran- the French... Um, uh, clergy? The clergy, the Aristocats or mm. the... Rissa cats. That sounds like a band. Yeah. <laughs> but it basically, they were controlled by the French government or who was in power, where Bordeaux was totally uh, dominated by the English or by the British Empire. So two different regions with a whole different kind of history and path. Well, so- in Marache, there's an interesting story there, too, because so like I said earlier, the villages appended their name to that of right. the most famous vineyard. Right. So Le Mont Rocher is a Grand Cru vineyard, a very famous Grand Cru vineyard. Probably one of my most favorite wines in the world comes from Le Mont Rocher. It's 100% Chardonnay. It's white. Um, they make a tiny, tiny little bit of red Marche, but because it's red, it's considered inferior and it's not even considered, it's considered a village wine. They can't even they can't classify it as Grand Cru. So you carry that? no, you no, you can't. You can't they get make it. no. Because why would you why would you declassify it to a village wine when you could sell Grand Cru Marche for a couple hundred dollars a right, bottle? Right. But the story is is that there's a town of Chassagna and a town of Pouligny. There you are. You, f- you found the picture? Chevalier Chevalier Marche, which I think I have a Chevalier in there, actually. Um, anyways, so the point is, is that the, both villages appended their name to Marche. So there's a 
there's a village called Chisonia Marache, and there's a village called Pulani Marache. Mm -hmm. And right. there's a line right through the center of that one Grand Cru vineyard of Le Marache. Oh, really? Which is crazy. That's great. That is, that is crazy. Because you say Pulini. Pulini. Pulini and Chisonia. Burgundy is so cool because you just like I rode bikes through it and you can just ride. There's like this path and it's, you know, it's rolling hills. It's pretty flat. It's not like it's kind of like Broga. <laughs> nothing it can like be Broga. hard if you want it to be. Yeah. But you but, don't you don't know Broga. <laughs> Anyways, I quit. By the way. <laughs> hey, there's three of us right here. So I'm really I'm proud of you guys Broga. for doing Broga. Broga. I'm broke. Broga. Broke me. Broga is yeah. awesome. Broga was hard last night. Oh, it was great. You guys did good. Yeah. Carly said you guys did great. Yeah. It was a lot harder last yeah. night. Well, anyways. So it's... Rolling Hills, I, I, somebody who's never been east of Nova Scotia, explain to me what the terrain's like. What is it literally like the Central Coast or is it no. like, what are we looking at here? Not be, somewhere between Texas and the Central Coast. Totally. <laughs> it's more like it's. There's just it's lots proper, of land. It's a proper valley. Yeah. Yeah. But it's it they call it like a hill and it's like It's like Texas Hill Country. Okay. So this is rolling really small rolling yeah. hills. Really small hills, which is like actually Kansas. also ironic because the most of the famous wine regions in the world come from really steep hillsides. Mm -hmm. Look at the Mosul, look at the Rhone, look at Look at Piedmont. Yeah. Um, a lot of stone. A lot of stone and a lot of steep, yeah. you know, south facing whatever gets the most sunlight hillsides. And Burgundy is one of the most famous wine regions in the world with some of the most expensive wines outside of like Bordeaux. Bordeaux. Yeah. Although Bordeaux's Bordeaux's pretty flat too. Pretty so flat that's and interesting, gravelly. huh? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I remember I remember the the and I can't remember who it was, one of the estates we went to. What was the name of the state? I mean, the cool thing about Burgundy is you go in there all these little towns and there's all these little wineries and they're in town. Mm -hmm. You know, and you walk and you like it looks like a garage and they're like, no, no, that's a winery in there. And they open up the door and you're like, yeah. holy. OK, cool. You that's walk awesome. you walk in and then you start going downstairs and yeah. stairwells. And then all of a sudden you're you're in these little small caverns that are underneath the city. It's a weird. It's not like here thing. where you need a castle. Totally. You, you know, <laughs> well, because it's all it's all vineyard based. Like you don't see you see vineyards. Yeah. When yeah. I, when I five, there was forty eight wineries in Pink, and my parents' neighbors were the Caperones, and we would go. I bought a I bought my first from Dave Caperon. We would go taste wine in Dave's like garage. Mm -hmm. It was amazing, and we were nineteen. Well, Sorry, Dave, if you get arrested for that. But, no, but that's yeah. what shows. Is Dave still. Is he, I don't know. I think Dave's still alive. Mark's his son, right? Yeah. Yeah, Mark and uh, Steve. I've never met him. Yeah. Well, I think that's also one of the, back to a quick wine educational segment. Wine 101. Is it, you know, if you look at bottles of old world wines, the largest thing on the label, both of these bottles from Burgundy. It, I know what this, I know the answer. It's the region. Right, exactly. Joe taught me that two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Nice. right. Boom. Good for something. Yeah, so here you look at a bottle of wine, and the biggest thing on the label is the producer. Okay. Right? That's, that's, this is my wine. I'm going to put my name on it. I mean, this both, is where we need a camera. Both of you guys, to I zoom can make in. fun of you guys for a sec because, you know, Barton is the biggest thing on the label. Clavo is the biggest thing Absolutely. on the label. Everybody I can think of 
brand is in first. California, the right. brand is first. 99.999% of the wine in old world in general, but definitely France is the region is mm-hmm. the largest thing. That's what they think is the most important. So like Joe, mm. your picture you just showed me yeah. of you in the Chevalier Marchais uh-huh. is a Chevalier Marchais, beautiful stone placard entrance iron gate into this incredible famous vineyard, right? Yep. It doesn't have a list of who all makes wine from that region. Nope. It does or from I that I didn't even vineyard. know. I had no idea where those grapes went. And that's because that's not what's important. The, the branding, the value. It's a great point. The quality, the history, the character, the romance, the terroir, everything that it comes from is put on. I get excited. Is yeah. Did I get louder? Yeah, it's awesome. Is on the, is on the region. Mm-hmm. And if it's even more than the region, the vineyard, you mm. know, I mean, this one actually, this Von Romani, Premier Cru, Claude de Reyes, you guys can't see it, but the vineyard is the largest thing on the label. Next is the region, and down here, really tiny, is Domaine Michel Gros, which is the producer. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Can you zoom in? So that's in in order of importance and value. So that's your education on labels, guys. Well, and the cool thing about that is you realize that it's it's the idea of like you're you're raising hey, I'm the. Oh, yeah. You're raised in the level of the site and the, and the area so that all the producers um, right. really do get to, you know, share in the glory. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be some producers that are going to be more recognized than others. But, um, you know, the you know, makes uh, you, you know, the whole you raise the, the quality of the whole region and everybody everybody's boat floats a little higher. You know who I think does a really good job of that locally here? Bienicito. Mm-hmm. Totally. They yeah. like they can you come sit down? <laughs> They brand themselves well. Bienicito, well, they test the people's want. Mark, <laughs> we, we're being photobombed by the Mark Adams. By the Ledge Vineyards. <laughs> no. You're, do you want me to open one? It's like an Adam Sandler moment. Like, <laughs> I got it. We're talking. We're, t- <laughs> we're, talk- we're talking about Burgundy right now. Yeah. Can you? You can go get a cup. Co- yeah. You want me to open a cup co- of tea? Hey, I'll open a cup roti if you sit down. If you, you keep down. asking, she'll open more stuff. Will you sit down and I'll open a cup roti? <laughs> I don't have any scotch. I have some tequila. <laughs> that'll, that'll work. But we also don't have the classifications, you know, which right. I think maybe, maybe if we had classifications, maybe we'd really like, okay, well, this is from this village. Yeah. And, you know, it's like this is, but. What can don't, I, what can I get him? There. Coat roti. Scotch. Coat roti. That mean, okay, I'm gonna go get some coat roti, um, and I guess we're switch. Yeah, let me. I I'm gonna go look for coat roti. Yeah, you don't you're even, sitting you don't down. You're taking my it. place, and you I'm gonna I'm gonna talk. play I'm gonna play sommelier. No, I'm I got it. I'm gonna play sommelier for a yeah, minute and let Mark take good. the spot. Brady, only do what you're good at. Serve you guys, serve you gentlemen. Yeah, you're the moderator. Brady. All right, so in the epicenter of wine country, yes, things are always shaking up. You never know who's going to stop by. Uh, <laughs> fall off a ledge. The, the, the first ever ah, live stream podcast from too. the epicenter of wine country, uh, hosted by Ellie in 15 degrees C wine shop. We have Mark Adams. My name is Joe Barton. In the <laughs> hey, that's my tag. <laughs> nice to be here. Uh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So you're on the patio enjoying lunch and 
Yes. Uh, what, what are you drinking? Uh, Pilsner. Pilsner. Oh, the STS. Yes. From Russian River. Yes. yes sir. Please drink it all. We're trying to get rid of that keg. It was good. Oh, <laughs> sorry, Russian River. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great beer. Um, it's just a lot. There's a lot of it. Yeah. So yeah. Hey, focus, dude. We're talking with about a Cubano. <laughs> Ooh, the Cubano. Uh, Chef Andre is going to join us here in a little bit. The Cubano is amazing. It's three fine cheeses melted on prosciutto with some uh, baguette that he puts it on. It's to die for. I'm a fan. You're the boss, man. All right, so Mark Adams is. Uh, a winemaker, a winery owner, and uh, your farmer. Your label, a farmer. Your your label is Ledge. Neil, Neil and I farm. Is that correct? Neil and I farm together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pay attention. <laughs> I can't keep up. So talk about your label. It's really good. Wine. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's amazing. Uh, we're old school Templeton family, and uh, have a unique sandy soil spot in the heart of the Willow Creek. Uh, Sub AVA Paso Robles, and we're doing uh, Rhone varietals and more specifically Chateauneuf de Pop varietals with uh, Syrah, Grenache, you know, Morved, Senso, Cunoise, Roussan, um, Grenache, uh, Blanc, and uh, Claret. And, and, uh, and it's the here. real challenge we right now is really um, as much as I would like to plant Morved. I don't think it's going to get ripe up there. And so unless it's going to finish properly, then why do it? So Syrah is king for us and uh, it kicks ass uh, and it gives us the depth that we need. Um, so that's, that's in a nutshell what we just wrapped up this year. I think that uh, 2021 is going to be a really great vintage for Paso Robles. Mm. Seems somehow to skip a vintage. 19 was brilliant. 20 was smoke haze over everything. Yeah, yep. So we, we might have to. Hold on. Let me turn Joe's mic off. He's <laughs> killing the potato chips. They were so good. He's they just are, like. They're kind of happy for me, actually. I don't care. Yeah, so right. 19 was awesome. 20 was. If I were to have to listen to Joe Barton talk, then I would be stuffing stuff oh, in my yeah, face that's as true. well. That's true. <laughs> That's turn, turnarounds fair play. I mean, absolutely. It's like we got to listen to MCA talk. I'm like, oh, God. did we talk? Did we did we taste the Romani yet? We did not taste the Romani. What's happening here, Ali Carskaden of 15 Degrees C Wine Shop, the what's, center of the destination of the world of wine? Mark Adams just came in and Tasmanian deviled all of us into Coro <laughs> Nice. So I poured that to simmer him down for a second, but no, we need to taste the uh, we need to taste the Von Romani next. But you're right, Mark. It is we hopefully are going to be doing more of these, and we can do a whole Rome segment. Please. But I yeah. did open. Uh, so what is this? Is a new twist on what your your je ne sais quoi is Mikey's deal here? Mm -hmm. He like he came in and just like decided to create the center of the destination of the wine world right here yeah, in your shop. Right here. Well done, lad. <laughs> this is what's like happening it. from here on out. Appreciate you, everybody. Follow suit. Because my house is like two miles away. Exactly. So I know. It works that out well, right? That means that I'm in the center of wine everything. You, you are. And so we actually... We can walk home. Yeah. We could walk home. It would be a little bit of a trek, but it's not too bad. Yeah. We carry you know. uh, we carry all of your all's wine. So Yo's. kind of, for that. if you don't want to, you know, well, ping pong does. around I, the central coast, you can... 
<laughs> you better thank me for that, Mark Adams. I'm not really that grateful. <laughs> thank yous are overrated. I have an outstanding invoice. <laughs> no, no, you just paid it. No. Now you can be My problems are solved, mate. Wow, that Romani is really nice. That is. It's beautiful. So this is, yeah, so this is a uh, Michel Gros, and it is a Claude Araya, 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 Von Romani, Premier Cru, Monopole, Single Vineyard 2018. It's a Monopole? It is. It's got a lot of spice to it, a lot of... It's really, really nice. I don't have that. I have this guy. Right? Yeah, but then I poured you the Aligote, so why don't you drink that or dump that, and then I'll pour you that. By the way, that Boucherlet white that you have is really good. It's really good. I know. I think we drank it all. <laughs> I know. I noticed it's not there anymore. It's not there anymore. Not there anymore. I'm gonna dump bucket. I do what I'm told. Well, I'm talking. You cut me off. It's my wife and, and and my 15th anniversary today. This is why we're down here. Happy anniversary, Sierra. Happy anniversary. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Oh, and you decided to come to the 15th C, the epicenter. The epicenter of the wine world. In fact, well, because really it was, exciting, yeah. I think Jesus was born here. No? <laughs> well, the pastor does live next door and the church is right there. So there you have it. Yep. So there we go. We're, this is well, hollow ground. It is 15 C, so 15, 15 I'm years. I'm sure there's some, uh, yeah. you should probably look into that. I'm sure there's You're some right? kind You're of. Right? He doesn't get the big bucks for nothing. He's a <laughs> Here for show, wow. so eye candy. That's what we call it, eye candy. <laughs> yep. He's got it. He's got a face for radio. out of bounds. No, no, no. He said it. He said That's it not cool. Don't Don't you both coming here. Face for radio. You've got it. I've said that well, before. We're actually being filmed, so. Oh, okay. So it's not. So it's not. Yeah, yeah no. but it's just a live stream. We'll can you blank me out? It's not like you're gonna archive this or anything. Oh, for mercy. Jesus. <laughs> hey, my chip thing was a bad idea. <laughs> yes. This is getting oh, recorded. That's good. That is. Also, uh, December 4th is our 15C's 14-year anniversary. Yes, we're there. And the I Mark Adams Band yeah. will yeah, be playing. for lack of a better name. Here in the episode. <laughs> for lack of a better name. Yeah, no, but I've got... Uh, Jacob O'Dell, okay. who uh, teaches down Bye. at Matt's Music down there, have fun, uh, have fun, and is an amazing Thank Zongo All Stars. I mean, he's uh, one of the great guitar players in the county. Uh, and uh, Daryl Van Druff, who plays jazz all the time at La Cosecha, like he's, brilliant yeah, drummer, um, and uh, who's playing bass, uh, Paul Lee Walt, who's got his a band of his own, uh, five parts devil, three parts devil, it's some oh, part devil. It's he has and so we're we're here and excited to uh ring in the holidays december 4th right yes saturday first saturday in december i won't be here just prior to the lord's birthday which uh we've already covered was born here in templeton and i think that the manger was in fact in this bar 
I mean, pretty close. They've got I've set up for Christmas. Yeah. Like, 12 days, 13 days. Later. If I didn't love God so much, this would be sacrilege. I know. It's pretty bad, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. So, anyways, let's – um, what do you – can you guys come up with any similarities or differences between Burgundy and the Rhone Valley? Well, I mean, there's certainly a whole lot of softness in Burgundy that isn't there in the Rhone. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, for me, Grenache is the Pinot Noir of the Rhone Valley. Grenache is. Yeah. In my opinion, because it's more red fruit versus the blue fruit, right. meaty blue right. fruits and so of I think the Syrah. When I when I drink Grenache from the Rhone Valley, I really appreciate it because it's kind of takes me to that that Pinot Noirish, and after the soft and silky ones, and there's there's a lot of great ones. I mean, I like um, the, the Comb ones are just amazing. Saint Comb. Saint Comb. Yeah, and uh, beautiful, soft, sexy, silky, makes you want to um, dance in your <laughs> underpants. <laughs> I was like, too long of a pause, you know, like, makes oh you want to censor. I don't even know why I'm sitting here right now. <laughs> just trying to enjoy some time with my it. lady. Yeah. Well, it's not and a three. It's not a three-way grape. It's just a one-way grape. <laughs> Although they all they are all about blends in their own valley as that's opposed true. to Burgundy, that's where true. they're that's all true. about single a varietals. A little bit of everything. I think what, what's <laughs> if you want for for me with Grenache, what's what's hard is that it can be one dimensional. Right. Where it, here in California, yeah, yeah, because we get the ripeness, right. we get we get all the alcohol, we get um, a lot of uh, everything, but maybe the nuance that you get in the mm. CDP, Reyes or Linert or something like that is like no, holy smokes. It's amazing. This is a hundred percent Grenache, and we, in my opinion, there are very few that can touch what you can do in Chateauneuf du Pop, and, yeah, and, and, and what you can do in Central Cal- or anywhere in California, right? And that makes Grenache especially challenging. Absolutely. But if we throw some Grenache or Syrah, whatever, it's easy to blend into the components that makes it a compelling California Absolutely. wine. Yep. But it's very difficult to pull off. In my opinion, it's very difficult to pull off 100% Grenache in, in California. Yeah. I mean, how many 100% Grenaches are well, like, there in California? You know, I was talking to our buddy Don Burns uh, last night about this, and I think that Pax Molly makes a pretty compelling yeah. Yeah, you know the the his, but he. I don't mean I don't believe that dude owns a distemmer, so he's doing. Stem. Yeah. He's all yeah, doing he, stems. He is, yeah, he is doing. He's he's swinging for the fences as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, talking about and that's a risky thing to do because it's already got tons of of acid, and and in order to do a hundred percent Grenache and whole cluster the whole, that thing, that's that's take some balls. Yeah. There's a lot to those wines, and 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 you guys, I mean, are obviously the. The winemakers, but I mean, how wh- how do you decide when to use stems and not to? Well, I think for 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 me, it's a lot of like even what Mark is saying is like when you got young fruit, and I think that's like going you know kind of wrapping around with that conversation we were just at. You know, vine age makes such a big difference in what we're talking yeah. about. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have so little of it here, um, and especially on the sites that we really want it to be. Mm-hmm. So we're just constantly in this ten to twenty year window of vine age that right. they're they're. You know, we know that there's going to be some textural opportunities there. And a lot of times you're just using stem to try to build up the, the shoulders because there's yep. all the freshness. There's mm-hmm. all the fruit. Um, and so that's kind of for me when you're when you're dealing with the younger fruit with a lot more Paso, especially when you get on the chop ground. 
there's so much acidity and freshness that you use the stem to give it some layers and yeah. give it some texture. Totally. Um, but also playing around with the idea of like, do you do whole cluster compared to stem? Because whole cluster, you're getting what we're doing with like this whole carbonic thing. You're getting mm. that kind of confectionary <laughs> thing. Or do you have pure stem? And stem is actually structure and texture. So you, there's a lot more winemaking inferences that you can play around with. But, um, and you can only, and the best thing is you get to do that with the Rhones, you know, and that's what's fun about the Rhones is, we, you know, everybody gets their playground and yeah. they can do what they want. Whereas you get the Bordeaux, you know, here in Pasadena, mm-hmm. the stem play is not there. So but, yeah. kind of. So when you, when do you, okay, I'm doing Mike's job right now, but. <laughs> hey, hey, Mike, I thought this was Mike 101. <laughs> I'm listening. Okay, good. But when do you decide to use stems or not? Well, so f- for us, it is uh, the, the weather, the ripeness of the stem has a lot to do with it. Right. I've um, taken to um, adding stems back after um, destemming, oh, really? as opposed to a oh. whole bunch. But the roots, all that Roussan up there, it because we're getting a ton and a half to two tons of Roussan right now. It's all going into co-ferments with Syrah. Yeah. And I don't want to waste a drop of that. So right. we we PGH that, dance on it, and it goes straight into the That's fermenter. Super, That's super interesting. By way of shovel. Yeah. But with the Syrah, some of the, the older vine stuff that was own rooted, some of that stuff is a little can be a little dodgy. Right. And I'm not sure I, I uh, have the cojones to go full cluster with those things because I want the best stems, the best looking stems. So I'll even to sort, go in. sort through sort, after the destemming okay. process and pick the stems that look like they have the, what you the don't woodiness want. and the cleanliness that toss them in. Okay. That's but we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, a uh, thousand to 1500 cases of wine. So right. the luxury to, to make those sorts of decisions. Right. And that's, that's really special too. The fact that we can make tiny lots of wine. But what I understand is that you don't want green stems, right? Don't want greens. The little woodiness on the edge. You right. know when you go through and you pick and you can just snap it off right. the plant? Like that's a ripe stem. And stem ripeness totally matters. Right. Yeah, and with Grenache, you won't see that as much. You won't get as much lignification with the Grenache stem. So it is really more of like totally. when it's going through the stem. It's you're, more fleshy. You're cracking it. You're smelling it. You're even gripping it with your teeth. You're really sure. trying to figure mm-hmm. out what kind of bitterness is in there um, because that really gives you that kind so of. So you, you want a little bit of fleshiness maybe. Well, and you want. It just depends. Well, just your idea of what kind of bitterness is in there. You know, what's going to what's gonna come through on the yeah. wine. Especially uh, with Grenache because it's already got all that acid. Yeah. And how much are you going to hammer that? Totally. You're going to battle that and it's going to come out on the back end. What's interesting to me about the Grenache conversation that we're having is that as we moved on from bringing here. bringing bringing it back <laughs> as mark <laughs> mission accomplished <laughs> let's talk coming, about rones coming back to the uh spanish discussion oh. that we had in the very beginning of the episode is that i hear grenache goes really well in spain it does and there i mean so garnacha but like so much of what they make is 100% garnacha. Yeah. There's very little blending that actually takes place, and it's all regionality. So garnacha in España is kind of like Pinot Noir in Burgundy. It's a regionality concept, whereas Grenache in the Rhone, mainly the Southern Rhone, obviously the Southern Rhone, is all about blending. And then here on the Central Coast, it's 
branding. It's about it's about it's about branding <laughs> so and the, stemming the Spanish fusion bar? Is it or stylistically. Uh, yeah, it's Grenache Tinta. And, and Grenache it was like tinta. so. Denner had it. Anthony uh, turned me on to. It was growing really well over at Denner, mm-hmm. and we planted a, a bunch of that up at the house. Right. And it just flourishes, and then I, uh, I don't know. Just, well, what, we, just and we just did it at Moon Springs. And, right. Uh, I got tinta there, and it's like it's a different beast. Yeah, and, it's a totally different. Beast. Talk yeah. about a, a, a spicy beast. animal. How, how so? Well, it's just it's. Well, so it's, a it's a Spanish but, clone. It's a Spanish clone of Grenache. That's what, that's what Donnie uh, Plum Orchard. That's what yeah. we have. Yeah, and tinta. that's brilliant. It's sandy soil spot. Right. I mean, that's a great bottle of wine, and it's it's totally unique in its right. profile. Right. And um, that's and that that wine. Donnie's wine, Turtle Rock, is to me more Rome. It's very Rome-like, you know. It's, yep. it's, it's kind of that uh, fresh strawberry kind of, but it's it's unique. No, that, I, that Plum Orchard's a cool site. No thanks. It is a. It is. Yeah, it's fun. But but Grenache, but Grenache. Getting back to her Spain comment because it, that's interesting because if you drink the Grenaches from Spain, they're big, they're bold, they're, they're like they're totally opposite of what yeah. I consider their own stuff. So at least from you I can see, taste the desert, yeah. right, right. Especially what I've seen with like the Graciano slash Monastrell slash Tinta and and and, and Garnachas, like they're they're smaller berries. It seems like the clusters are a little bit bigger. Um, they have a little bit more intensity of, of acidity, and you get more fleshy, more vibrancy, more density. I mean, they're just more yeah. extracted. Totally. And you're like, okay, that's a big boy wine. You know? right. Especially then you go from like the French clones, some of the older French clone Grenaches that are all big berried, and they're they're pretty, they're more elegant, but yeah. they, they don't have nearly as much. And they're 14.5% alcohol, which we know is horseshit. <laughs> I mean, those things are right. 15 those and things a half are all for bombers. sure. <clears throat> but, you know, then there's taxes. So you put... Whatever the we do what you want, you know. Whatever the government <laughs> yeah. is going to. What's that number? Yeah, I'll be right take there. a lean right. on be, your. I'll be one percent under thirteenth generation <laughs> chateau. We're going to keep it at fourteen point five. We're going to pin it there for eight generations. We'll call it good. So so we're kind of all over the place. I guess it's kind of fun, right? Out, of, out of the three of you guys, I, I've steered this into good the Roan ditch. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> who's going to do a ditch. Who's going to do a label <laughs> that has the region or, or the vineyard larger like like than the brand? What happened? Huh? Who's on first? Yeah. <laughs> no, who's going to do a label for uh, out of the three of you that ha- that showcases the region or the vineyard for the brand? So let me clarify one point. Okay, please. So, so we actually have in Paso Robles that, you know, we have all the, what is it, 13 sub appellations, right? Yeah. yeah. So what we did in Paso when we, when we did these sub appellations, because Paso Robles is the main appellation. So... So Ledge Vineyards or uh, Gray Wolf can say, you know, it's it's from blah, blah, blah. But it has to say past Robles and then the sub-appellation. So it can never be the sub-appellation before the region, for the region. So, but they could, you know, other than that, it, but it's always, but it's always got to be, that's, that's, and it's a, it's a law. So that's, then you guys can. Reiterate. So, what are the sub appellations? So, there's all. I mean, there's a lot. There's thirteen to 13? To, to bang out. Yeah. Um, and I think the thing about what, what happened with Paso was that there was just such a large mass of land area. I mean, you know, yeah. once you've gone to, to and just, Europe, and they're distinct. They're, yeah, they're geologically and and historically. All, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And once we started, it just it just kind thing. of it first started in in truth. 
we tried or there was a group that Were you tried on the for that because yeah, I, I they tried to cut it in half they said we're going to do west side and east side well, that didn't work, and no. then we realized that that was too. That was too divisional. That was too divisional, and it was. It, and it wasn't really too. It wasn't really doing the justice of what was here. And so, once we started down that road, it became a lot bigger application than I think we all started started right. with. We're like, holy moly, this is going to be a gigantic appellation to completely, you know, map it out in a way that it's was proper. And now you're just yeah. now starting to see. You know, there are certain areas that have probably, you know, gained a little bit more traction than others, only just because some, maybe some of the brands have carried it a little bit more. But at the same time, you're starting to see the regionality of the varietals and the, and, the, and the vineyard sites that are actually explaining it and showcasing it well. Like, you know, obviously you see Adelaide, Willow Creek, and Temple and Gap have probably had a little bit more play so earlier. Temple and Gap, for example. Yeah. I mean, that that howls. The wind just yeah. howls down I'm right the, channel. I'm in the middle of it. I mean, Janelle's place. <laughs> And and Big Mike and and, see my and, glass and, wall. and uh, Benito, like dude, yeah, right. You live down that <laughs> live corridor, my glass wall. <laughs> and it is its own subclimate there, right. and it and it is different than everything else. And Willow Creek's got you know certain nuances with it, and yeah. you know Adelaida, you know Peach Canyon, like these are. I and mean, there's a lot of stuff on the east hey side guys, that we haven't even Sookie we haven't just showed up. We all love Sucky. Oh. You should come come say hi on the oh, show, Sucky. <laughs> so it's, it, it's probably here it's probably always going to be the the label the region the sub appellation and then the vineyard yeah right mm-hmm. well i mean for me information's power so i always you know if if when i did the Ducey's in it was dante Ducey, right zinfandel pass robles Templeton gap district right. adams ranch you know james berry right i always like to have the vineyard I've never been one, I mean, except for second label stuff for like fanciful names so much. Just like, what's the vineyard? What's the AVA? What's, what are the grapes? Yeah, right. where's it from? And call it good. And I mean, there's a place for everything, but that's my personal. Yeah, we're starting to want to, I'm, I, I've been doing that over the last like five years and I'm really enjoying doing that. Like, it's like Feels showcase good. what the soil, the dynamic, the site, have the site explanation. You want like ingredients. Ex- yeah, totally. Like well, actually on this one, what I did. Yeah, there was a uh, ingredients on on this was world class nice. Grenache and native yeast. Perfect. Yeah. So you <laughs> the, went wild. On yeah. This. The, simpl- the simplicity of it, but also too, oh. like you know, we we, we want to have sites in Paso Robles. I mean, there's a there's a few that have gotten you know obviously notoriety around the world, but there's a lot more around here that are really really good too, and they just haven't got the they haven't got the pop yet. And, and we'd all love to see a, a lot more you know vineyard sites get more exposure. And more sites and past robots that are world class, they just haven't been seen yet or yeah. been tasted on their own. So well, that's, I, that's the luck of the draw, grow, I think. Yeah. And as a grower, I think it's the biggest compliment when you guys say, Okay, this is this is your vineyard and we like your grapes, and so we're gonna put your vineyard on our label. That's a that's a huge compliment. So yeah. It was a big deal back then. I remember when we first got here, Zimondale, you know, Vineyard Designate Zimondale was a big deal. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Vineyard Designate kind of like got lost for a little while. And it's cool that's kind of coming back. You know, I mean, that's yeah. what I think. Like, Vineyard Designate is becoming a big deal again. Right. And well, I, mean, always, you know, Tur- I always Tur- thought Turley it Turley buying the Pizzani Vineyard, you know, back in the day. Yeah. I mean, right. Janelle tells the story where, mm-hmm. you know, you you'd bring your own vessel. Yep. Right. And you'd knock on the cellar door and you'd be five yep. bucks to fill up whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And then with, for Turley to buy Pizzanti and make it Absolutely. a world-class you know, in, they knew what they right. were doing. I mean, that was a big I mean, play. And Ro- Rhoda behind there, too. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that yeah. even outages Pizzani. Yep. Yep. And um, 
So, I mean, that, that, that sort of stuff being identified in the Uberoth vineyard, obviously, you know, I can't speak enough about so, the Ducies because I grew up with the kids. So, right. yeah. I mean, th- these are these are heritage sites, and um, it's special that they're identified as such on the on the labels. So yeah. to answer your question, I think people like these guys were talking about. I think people are going to buy wines based upon the vineyards, and that's going to be the destinations yes. as mm-hmm. opposed to the villa villages. I think we're moving that way, but as a right. new world country, it just took a lot of years of messing it up and not right. paying attention to how. It's been done for centuries and generations and tradition, traditionally, to get to that point. They had right. like 500 years worth of kind of figuring it out. Yeah, <laughs> we, I mean, we're a little bit behind. Well, it's crazy. So, uh, 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 Julianne um, Burrow, um, but, um, yeah, you know, from from, yeah. from the the uh, the Baroche family, mm-hmm. like that that guy's 13th generation. We yeah. went out to mm-hmm. my wife and I went out to. Uh, uh, Decouvert and Valley Duron, the hospice of, of over there. Mm-hmm. By the way, the government subsidizes that. So if you can get your ass over to France for that, I mean, in the before times, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, it, it, things are opening up, but they, the whole thing is subsidized by the government. Like the, the French government subsidizes the wine industry. And I'm not say, suggesting that America do that. But I mean, we we subsidize corn industry. We subsidize other aspects of ag. I think we're in the and, Biden plan. You know what happened? We're in the Biden plan. Aren't we? I have no idea what's in the plan. I'm I'll, just trying to. I'll take, what, I'll take other. whatever I can get. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, it's a, an amazing uh, a, a tool to see how much history, you know, 13 generations of winemaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's insane. That's amazing. Well, I think we're on a cut. And there are a few of those. Yeah. You know, there, there's more. There, like, we know, I'm, I mean, I'm sure you're seeing it with your family ranch. I'm seeing it with uh, with our properties. It's like, hey, yeah, I, I I expect that it will not be me who gets to really yield the benefit of right, all this. Totally. Be, oh, you got that right. Yeah, That's it'll be 50 years from now, and these amazing ones <laughs> oh, will be coming out of Paso, yeah. and they're like, yeah, my dad planted these. I know. Right. I mean, you can just yeah. see that happening. That's what's always cool. We look cool. at two generations with, with Saxon. I mean, that's it's that's two generations. Totally. Yeah. And here is a, a, a couple of Green Thumbs and Terry and Pebble right. who always, you know, and they were – Growing Chardonnay forever over yeah. there. And, well, and there was in fact, know, and there and they had to turn and then Alban was like, yeah, John uh, brought down his own. Yeah, so what's like, that? Thirty year old, thirty years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our, our oldest. We're seven, a seventeen year old vines. Yeah. And now I'm going to like, okay, well, I look in the mirror, and I go, I can see that because I'm feel old as shit. But like, <laughs> totally. But you know that that's still a very young vineyard, and they're just yep. now starting to showcase what they're gonna be. Well, I I just started using new oak because I can now. Yeah. I mean, in the beginning, it was like I was like, oh, neutral oak, you know, whole clusters because the vines weren't pushing anything. Yeah. It was like I couldn't get beyond, you know, fourteen and a half percent alcohol, mm-hmm. and then and you know, so and I overcropped. I mean, all these things. Yeah, you know, all the that learning, generational all the winemakers lessons. go. You know what? I mean, Big Mike knows exactly what's going on on that ranch. Like yeah. he's just like he's running. Yeah, I got yeah, I got my spot. It's funny. I always this this was a good this was a good one from this year because it's pretty much picked me out of the same spot for like the last five years. You know, and he's all I'm all. Where are you in relation to the flagpole? I'm right by there. Okay. Yeah. I'm in, that's where we got I'm it. in flagpole land. That's yeah, nice. So the same thing. I was yeah, all, I, uh, yeah. I, I, was, I was all, so when you want to pick the, the home ranch, he's all, oh, I don't know. Have you sampled it? I'm like, really? Do you think I need to sample it? You pretty much know exactly when it's ready. So you just tell me when to show it with my boxes. Totally. And I totally did. And it was perfect. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then young Dante loads them for you. Totally. Oh yeah. No, yeah, I remember. Uh, Kids I, I, know how to drive tractor. I love that kid. Seven. 
Yeah, I, I spend more time trying to get him to like just say something and give him some, give him some, just some juice every time so he yeah. can giggle and and just you know. I was I got really lucky and and then unfortunately I had to pay Clavo, so I had to cut my contract with Juicy. <laughs> but, but it was also a I wasn't gonna do Zinfandel in the program, but but I mean what yeah, a, what I, a special family. and I'm only doing a little bit. You know yeah, I mean I mean, I, yeah, I, man, you get well downstream is uh, Philippe Camby and Justin Smith's project. Mm-hmm. I mean that's. I've been doing less and less Zimmendale every year, but but now I'm just pretty much I, I get it from there and, and their other paper shoot spot. And that's it. You know, you just yeah. You know, it's like anything. You just you get the best of the best. I have yeah. I have a little Dante story. Little Dante story. Eighth grade trip. My daughter and him the same age. We're in San Francisco. I'm the chaperone. We're on our way home. We, we're stopping in Santa Cruz to go to the boardwalk. And he says, Mr. Brady, can we go by this uh, koi fish store in San Jose, please? I said, sure, Dante. And so he gets there, gets on the phone with his dad, and he's walking around haggling with the, the store owner. And he's he's telling his dad what they got. It picks him one out. Okay, good. Uh, Mr. Brady, can I borrow $700? I want that koi fish. And I'm like, okay, uh, sure. And so Sucker born every minute. <laughs> I, we buy the koi fish, and then we go uh, to Santa Cruz Boardwalk, Probably the hottest day on record in Santa Cruz. And I have a koi fish that's $700 in the backseat of my truck. We get back to Trinity Lutheran. Dante, Michael's there. You know, Dante gets the koi fish out. It's still alive. And they pay me the money, you know. But it was like, that's a typical Dante thing, right? Who's going to spend $700 no matter who asks you to? Do you, yeah. do you know that, what? Was that Michael or I mean, Big Mike? There's a difference. You need this seat, sir. This Dante and Mike, yeah. Do you know what koi fish are? No idea. No. They're, they're carp that are colored, <laughs> basically. Carp you can't say no colored. to little Dante. Yeah. I mean, different kid. colors, I should say. It's an anniversary. Good stories. All right. Well, happy anniversary. There he is. Mark Adams of the Mark Adams Band, Ledge Vineyards. You know, we were you blessed. Taste- we were blessed for, for a short period of time. So thank you, Mark. Hey, we can taste your wine here, right? Hey, we're chef. It might, is it chef time? It is chef time. It's, it's chef time. 345, uh, 342 right now. Uh, chef Andre, if you are still in the house and able to... Is that Courtney? Yeah. Uh, Hi, gonna, Courtney. How are you? I'm going to have to make a little break. Go. Little men's room. We're going to talk about the menu. We're going to talk about the specials that we have. We're going to talk about the holiday platters that you guys can order, all kinds of stuff. Uh, Neil, uh, let's, talk, let's talk about what's going on down the street this weekend. Oh, yeah. So uh, Founders Day. Founders Day. We, so we have Founders Day from 12 to 3 in our parking lot. It's uh, see some old tractors and learn about uh, Templeton, the history about Templeton. That mm-hmm. we're right next door to uh, the historical museum. The historical museum. Yep. So it's going to be a great day. And then after that, uh, actually, Clavo, um, our taste room is going to. We have a permanent display. We have a photographer, Derek Luff. He's going to be um, displaying his work. We're having an open house mm-hmm. from three to seven. Um, we're gonna have, we're gonna be serving wines. We're gonna have three wineries, myself, uh, Sonoli wines and Dino wines. So come on down, no cost. And a lot of people don't know this, but Derek is, uh, 
I mean, D- Derek's from Southern California. He owns yep. a, a post-production house right. that uh, Very professional. works on a lot of major productions that you see on TV, Netflix, all of them. Right. He's yeah. been in the business no, for a long time. He's, he's super talented. He's got a, a permanent gallery that's in your tasting room. Right. That's gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of so good it should be a lot of fun. Pictures of, of actually uh, the local area, yeah. right? Vineyards right. and Very rustic farms. kind yep. of photography. And my good friend, Mike Brady, is going to be. Singing. Yeah, I'll be there. I'm bringing my acoustic guitar. Yeah. And, uh, Mike and I might do a few duets. I think we will. Uh, Probably not. But... You can do magic. <laughs> yeah, that one, <laughs> we'll do that one. No. So, yeah, it'll be a fun afternoon. Um, and if you guys haven't been to the Templeton Historical Museum. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There is a bus there that they. Oh, yeah. Redid. 1939? Something like that. 49? It's a nine. I know that. Uh, But it's really cool. And uh, that house was actually the church property at one point. They moved it over to the museum. I don't know about the house, but the depot. The depot. Used to be the original one. And um, so it should be a lot of fun. Um bring kids yep and we have a we have a nice patio in the back and yeah and there's uh besides you guys there's more stuff going on that day kind of in that area around the museum right right, right. yeah yeah so yeah. it'll be cool and founders day what year was templeton founded do we know 18 no you know templeton was actually named after crocker's son because nobody liked crocker so yeah and i i read the wikipedia story of that at one point oh yeah and yeah and so, um, and the son actually died, right? It wasn't, uh, I think. I'm not sure. I, yeah. I think he See, did. that's what so. we need to find out. Yeah. That's why you guys well, all I, need to I mean, out. I have a computer in front of me. Actually, let me navigate through these 17 <laughs> wine bottles that Allie has open and then uh, Google it. But, uh, yeah, I believe that uh, Crocker's son did die. Uh, but it was his middle name, I think. Templeton was the, the son's middle name. What was it? Uh, maybe I don't know. I'm I might be mixing my stories, but um, let me... but you know it's going to be tons of fun. It's a great day, and uh, again, Templeton's very quaint, nice community. Yeah. So how did you end up here? How did I end up here? I basically you didn't no, go I, to Cal Poly. You went to Fresno State. I went to Fresno State. I ended up coming over here working for a farming company, and then ended up. Eventually working for Robert Mondavi Winery, managing mm-hmm. vineyards. Here I am today. Yeah, so do you still do anything up in Napa at all? No. I was never in Napa, even when I worked for Robert Mondavi. It was all You were in the valley? There. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Templeton history. Yeah, Charles Templeton Crocker was the two-year-old Templeton, son. So it was his middle name. Yep. Yeah, so, um, and I might, again, I might be mixing stories, but I, I you know, the uh, the pyramid in the San Luis uh, Cemetery, uh, there's a pyramid there that was a daughter of, I thought the Templetons, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Anyways, uh, Chef, when, when you get a minute, why don't you come over and talk about what we have on the menu this week? Yeah, because we're boring everybody else. <laughs> No, we actually only have 13 minutes left, and then we're going to wrap really? up. So, yeah, it's a National uh, Bougelet. Bougelet. Bougelet Nouveau Day. 
Um, he says it just like a Russian, by the way. Boujolais Nouveau Day. And so uh, we are celebrating with uh, a 100% Grenache uh, that Mr. Joe Barton and who, his team yeah, has yeah. put together. Why, why are we still here? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, here we are. Here's the chef. Oh. Hi. All right, chef. We have 13 minutes left real quick. Um, Tell us what we need to know. Give us the brief history of how you ended up at 15 degrees C, the epicenter of wine country. Well, I, um, well, hello, everyone. Hello. And you. <laughs> um, I um, actually applied for a sous chef position with the previous chef, Nathan. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, I was living at uh, in the, uh, Thousand Oaks with my family. And unfortunately, uh, when position presented itself, I could not accept it. Mm. And um, about three, four months later, um, Ellie um, called me and she said, uh, hey, uh, so you know, uh, Chef Nathan decided to pursue other interests and he's moving out of state and we would really love for you to join 50C as a chef. Oh, nice. And uh, I came in and I talked to both uh, Chef Nathan and Ellie, and uh, everything mm. is history. And so you've been here just over a year, a year and a month, and um, you've taken the menu, uh, kind of put your own spin on the menu. You've added some different things. Um, there's some, some tapas that are new. There's some burgers that are new. There's some uh, pizzas that are new. What what? Tell, tell me about your background as, in regards to your culinary upbringing. Yeah, so um, I actually, my, my background, um, I, I was in retail for 23 years. Mm. I never cooked in my entire life. I was raised by a single Jewish mother who always told me that men don't belong in the kitchen. Oh, wow. Really? Is that that's true? right. You never told me that, Jeff. That's right. That's, really? that's exactly true. Really? And uh, never knew how to boil an egg. Really? And um, after being moved across the country multiple times with the family uh, looking, seeking for a job, I got burned out. Mm -hmm. And I decided uh, now, to pursue... Is, it, was this in the United States? Yeah, it was here. Oh, okay. It was here. So it how was, old were you when you moved? Sorry. I was 18 when I moved to the States. Okay. I started um, at Fry's Electronics as a buyer. Wow. Really? And um, buyer for books. And then I did closeouts and I did electronics and I did every category manageable. Huh. Um, and I got burned out. Mm. I got burned out. And uh, coincidentally, my wife um, at the time, six years ago, went back to Russia to visit her parents. And I was left with our two boys. And uh, my choices were to either buying takeouts or started cooking. And I decided to try. And my very first thing that I cooked were crepes. And I pulled it on a face. Which are really good, by the way. Which my first thing I would try would be like mac and cheese uh, his crepes from are a box. Yeah. The best. Really? And I yeah. put it on Facebook and my wife called me from Russia and she said, you didn't make it. I said, I actually did. And my wife, who cooked for 20 plus years, still cannot make crepes. And so why aren't we offering crepes in the morning? <laughs> That's a very good question. <laughs> uh, so to make it's a long secret. story short, 
I, um, I, I started cooking very slowly, uh, you know, using a lot of cookbooks. Um, and, and coincidentally, I just fell in love with it. Mm. And I, I, I talked to my wife and I said, you know, I, I really want to try this. Yeah. And went to culinary school um, full time. And at the same time, I, wo I, went, I worked for uh, two restaurants full time. Um, and after completing my uh, um, uh, one in Thousand Oaks and one in Moore Park, okay. it was an Italian restaurant, and that's how I fell in love with Italian uh, cuisine. Oh, really? And um, after I completed my education, I decided to pursue something different. So I went to South France for four months, and I did a stage for a two-star uh, two Michelin chef. And your your wife was okay with you leaving for four months. She was not. She was not. She was not okay, but she took a two week vacation to South France and uh, brought uh, brought our boys. Oh, good. Uh, so it was uh, quite an experience. Um, and when I came back, um, I did. Um, I worked for a private uh, recovery center as a chef. Mm -hmm. And this opportunity came up, and um, I never looked back. He couldn't say no. I could have, but I didn't. Oh, he could have, I guess. <laughs> yes, I could have, but I did not. Well, we're happy to have you, Chef Andre. We are Thank you. super privileged and blessed to have you. And the community, uh, every single person that comes in connects with you yes. um, uh, on a personal level. It's very apparent that you know that or that we like we can tell that you have a passion for every single dish you cook. Yes. Even the one that I yeah, threw on the floor accidentally the, the second day I was here. Ooh. Yeah. Yes, and I had to remake it. Yeah, I should, oh, I should have made you yeah. cook it, but that's I didn't. Right. Yeah. So I was never a server in my life. And yeah, I, but you worked at the Starbucks, which but, is kind Yeah, of but I was thrown in to like wait fine. on people and deliver pizzas. And I didn't know that if you move too fast, the pizza will slip off the plate. Oh, yeah, that's a problem. So. So it was a busy Saturday and it the pizza was. went flying and the chef yelled at me. Well, chef does an incredible job. And if you get a chance to come by and taste mm -hmm. any of the dishes that he mm -hmm. makes and we're in the process of switching things up a little bit for the season change and everything. But again, I said early in the show, order your cheese and charcuterie platters. That's right. um, holiday yeah, so parties. We're, we're catering um, the Barton Grey Wolf holiday party. We're hosting it here. Um, we're open for private parties catering our our platters to go chef andre is absolutely amazingly talented and we are so happy to have him as part of our team and so tonight yeah what are you cooking you've got so tonight we obviously have all of our tapas uh we have new uh croquetas that mm. we that actually chef ellie taught me how to make <laughs> not a chef Samali. Som um, <laughs> Ellie taught me how to make. Samali, um, that's how you pronounce Som it. Ali. I'm a Sam and I'm um, Ali. But um, Ali. no chili dogs tonight. We have um, <laughs> we have our burgers, we have our pizza, salad. So we are locked and loaded to serve you guys. Mm -hmm. um, we love you guys. We ready for you to come. You and, shouldn't say um, locked and loaded. Because, because yeah, you're in Templeton. That's yeah, a little scary. Yeah. Okay, well, we're okay. <laughs> we're not the only ones locked and loaded. That's in right. Yeah. That's that's a good point. But we are we are waiting for you guys here, and we're ready for you. And we uh, 
we, we well, love every every one of you when you come. And your cuisine's amazing. I I've been coming here as a as a patron for years to have drinks, and the food's only gotten better. I think it's as good as it's ever been. I agree. And uh, the company's even better. We've got uh, an awesome patio that we all enjoy every night, and uh, it's just a lot of fun. So it's like a um, cheers bar for like, like the wine industry. No wonder it's the epicenter yeah. of wine country, right? <laughs> I don't come it's, here often, but I like it. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. We got to get Neil's plaque on his chair. Yeah, um, we're, working, we're working on that. And so you opened a bottle. We're going to close the oh, show. Oh, shoot. But, I completely forgot I did you, that. You, yeah, definitely had. Joe and we got to pour some for them. So this is, talk to us so about we, this. So we got on yeah. the Grenache train, thanks to Mark Adams, who has left the party now. But um, well, it's his anniversary. It's I'm understandable. Although she just left, so. Oh, <laughs> oh he stayed. She left. Yeah. I, so anyways, um, this is a really, really old vine Grenache, 100%, from an old region called Calatayud. J hey, Joe hey, Joe. and hey, Joe, Mark, I opened that Spanish Grenache and we never got to try it. If you guys have empty glasses, make them empty really quick. All right, everyone. I actually have to service the customer. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> service Chef. The customer. Well, thanks for Cheers. getting my, my meal ready. <laughs> I will try. Andre's got to go to work. <laughs> All right. Hey. There he is, Chef Andre, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Andre. Love that guy. Well, that worked out well. <laughs> All right, Spanish Grenache. All right, here we go. Okay. Pass the bottle. So this is a 150-year-old vine Garnacha from Calatayud. Mark Adams, I opened this para ti y tú no estás aquí. ¿Dónde está? Ven aquí, por favor. There he is. Mark, have a seat. Anyways, this, I went two years ago, I went with uh, Jorge Ordonez and his crew uh, with a band of Robert Parker's drivers all throughout. We did over throughout Spain. And this was one of the most incredible regions. And I, I want to hear what you guys think about this Garnacha, Garnacha, because it's muy Thank diferente you so much. from our Garnacha. I hope you're not spilling your juice. Okay. There's a little color on that. And um, so, um, can you uh, pronounce this correctly? Is it, are we doing Catalud? Calatayud. Calatayud. So, I have a picture of myself sitting in the middle of one of these vines, like it was a nest. Like a little, like a nest, and I was a baby bird because this vine was so big. It was like the trunk of an elk tree coming out of the ground in this moon type dusty soil in this incredibly beyond arid region that produced less than a half a ton per acre. And wow. I mean, it's it this to me, I, and I'm not, I don't know. I know that they told me the winemaking process, but I'm not going to recall it all. <laughs> but what do you recall? <clears throat> they did a lot of whole cluster and stem inclusion, um, yeah. but I recall mainly the soil, the aridness of the region, and the old vines. Um, it's super extracted. What I, what old, I re old worldy. Yeah, what I remember driving. Oh, nice yeah. Driving out of Barcelona and going up to Rioja, you're kind of in that realm of of the region. Not obviously mm -hmm. in it. Once you go through Zaragoza, you're kind of in that same like 
regional feel. It's yeah. very desert landscape. Yes. I mean, there's not a lot of trees. No. There's not a lot of water. It's it, it seems very dry, but it's also got elevation. And that's what I always thought was interesting about this region that people mm-hmm. probably don't recognize is the elevation that, yeah. that this region has. Um, and everything was what I call a, a beso. It was a head. Yes. You know, there's nothing was on wire. Everything was a head. Yep. Um, and one of the coolest things I saw, and I, I still, in, in my own head, I, were, and, I, and I, this was Tempranillo because it was in Rioja, but it was in the middle of June, and everybody everybody owned like a hectare or half a hectare. Mm-hmm. And so you'd see all these cars parked on the side of the road, and you knew that they were basically taking care of their little hectare or their half a hectare. That's what reminded me of Burgundy and Grenache in Spain. Yeah, and and, and, and you know, they all went to lunch afterwards, you know, so they did their morning work and they went to have lunch. That was probably their, you know, then to siesta and that was probably their day's work. But it was in the middle of June and every every one of them was, was walking through and they had these sickles and these large, these large, you know, knives and they were just hedging it. So they were mm. topping them. And this is Tempranillo because obviously Tempranillo is always wanting to grow upright. Mm-hmm. And I think they wanted it to bush out to cover, you know, to cover up the cover up the vines. But it was just one of the coolest things about Spain was like, you know, there's all these individual owners and they all we probably went to co-op, mm-hmm. you know, and they all went to, to a large co-op and, and sent all their grapes there. Um, and I'm sure a lot of the Jorge Adonis kind of wines are, are based along these yeah. large co-ops that, you know, you know, take in these, you know, 150 year old grapevines that are owned by the town basically and the people who live in the town and and, and and none of these are rich people none of them are, are, are wealthy landowners they they own their little piece of the pie and they send yeah. them to the co-op and that's probably the well it was thing exactly it. that we would meet every morning we would go meet a couple of these growers in their vineyard that they've their you know however many generations that their family has owned and they'd walk us through the vineyard and in spanish tell us about it and i mean the vineyards were just they, the vineyards spoke words and then one of the cool things about Jorge, who's one of my favorite importers for Spanish, well, my favorite Spanish importer, whereas Kermit's my favorite French importer. But, you know, what he does is he sources out these vineyards. And this goes back to the whole kind of theme of today's discussion, single vineyards, where the the Grenache Nouveau came from and the Ducey family and all that stuff. And the Adams family not that kind of Adams family, but the other Adams family, it's kind of like that Adams family actually, but (laughs) a little different, but they've got the, you know, they've got the, um, that he's sourcing the best fruit. And then his production facility is just a warehouse. And I thought that that's how these wines, one of the reasons why these wines represent such amazing value is because they're, they're made in, they're getting the highest quality fruit you can possibly get. And they're making it in this warehouse. So there's no overhead whatsoever. You're not going into a castle on the sky. You're going into a warehouse where they are making some of the best wines in the world and able to get it to you at a price point that is incredibly affordable and value-oriented for what you're getting. Spanish wine makes it hard for us all sometimes. I, <laughs> I know, and I'm always going to talk about it. But. And, but, and then there isn't the luster. There isn't the luster that a lot of the French wines have. It uh, doesn't, you know, the, the value play. I mean, Paso Robles versus Napa is a really good example of how right. regions yeah. Absolutely. can gentrify themselves right. in that way. Or Absolutely. get gentrified, yeah. you know. Not lack to, of a better term, but right. that's really what, 
what's going on. Or but, just be purchased, right. just be bought. Like, but you know, Ali, talk about Chile and Argentina. I mean, let's go. But speaking of South America, so. we had a tasting of Uruguay wines, and Yesterday. they were, and they, and they were amazing. They were <laughs> Tanat is the yeah, national tanat. grape of Uruguay. No, tanat, tanat and, is and, the and they had and a tanat that was actually. a vineyard designate that was what twenty to thirty dollars. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, so when we did Decouvert and Valley du Rhone, my wife and I did it in the before times, uh, just before I think it was two thousand eighteen, and you know Chapoutier making like an insane amount of wine. Crazy. And you go into a, you go into a boutique and it's like eighteen bucks, and then. Whatever the craft you get from whatever the uh, yeah n- you know the negotiant style shit that they right. do, it's like you, you know you're you're wherever you are right in in the south of France and you go to a, one of the eight cafes on any given block and have the greatest glass of, of right. red wine. Yeah. I mean, for you know yeah. for ten bucks, right? For a euro, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. insane. Like it Port- is Portugal, crazy. Same way. Like and yeah. and Portugal, Spain blows that <laughs> out of the water. <laughs> Even, even more so than France. And yep. So, I mean, it's like, yeah. what, what's the yeah. uh, mentality of the consumer, the global consumer? And how is it that, you know, people in New York City only want to drink French wine? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. well, there's so much better shit out there that you can get twice as much volume for right. what you're going to pay yeah. for. And, you know, we talk about Tanat and, you know, what, what an amazing grape that is. Well, or, I, or, or things that people can't pronounce, and so they don't order it because they don't know how to say Roussan. Right. And who knows? It's the greatest white grape known to man. Yeah. They've never heard of it. Mankind. So kind. So, humanoids. I will. In the parlance of our times. I, as the host, I will wrap this up because we're going to do it again once a week. But as the host, I will say that is the exact reason. Everybody, thank you so much, Neil Roberts, Joe Barton. Mark oh, Adams. thank you, thank you guys. Um, for that wine Don't is, leave Mike out in the good job, Mike Brady. Mike Brady, whatever, Mike Come Brady. Over here, that uh, <laughs> and our audience, whoever is here right now, but that <laughs> wine is wine is romantic. It's the about who you're theater. with, where you're at, what you're eating. Stop making or go ahead and make a song of it. But if, also, it's romantic, if it's romantic, then why yeah, am I with, with these the guys? Case, you know what song <laughs> I'm thinking about? <laughs> I think it's a Beastie Boys song. I thought about that a lot, but it is it is so diverse and so different, and we can talk about it for yeah, hours, so much fun. days, weeks, years, and it's so still I, never. I mean, do we? I feel like we have to talk about vineyards next week a little. A little you can more. try and know. you can try and get us down into one. It's gonna topic, be the ragtag crew, man. Whoever, yeah. so whoever you throw in here, that's gonna be the game. Yeah. I, I don't really know much about that, but I'll go. With the cases of beer. What is that song? I don't know. It's killing me. Did you make it? The fifties. I'm over here in the beer. Sing it. Sing. Close. Close the. Somebody Google that the, shit. Close the show. Close the show. Come on, DJ Eagle. Come on, you got it. DJ Eagle. Go. Go, guys. Go. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. Cheers, Mark Adams. Everybody. Happy Salud. anniversary. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Ellie, fun. thank you so much for creating the epicenter of wine country. <laughs> Joe Barton. Epicenter. 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 <laughs> Joe Barton, thank you so much for you and your team creating this uh, beautiful 100% Grenache mm-hmm. Nouveau. No vu. Her alley Grenache. Grenache. Uh, 
Whoa, that's a hell of a label. Neil Roberts, uh, these guys are looking at a label. I want to thank you so much for hanging Thanks, out Mike. with us. Thank Absolutely. you for uh, just for giving us your, chips. your knowledge of the vineyard and the process of making good wines and I, your history. I, I of... bring nothing other than, <laughs> other than I like being here. So Hey, we will see you Saturday at Clavo. Yes, thank you. Yeah, cheers. All cheers. right, that's it. Uh, the first yeah. ever Epicenter of Wine Country show uh, wrapping up here Thursday. The party's not over, though. We are turning this off and turning... Uh, Beaujolais Nouveau Day is about to start. Beaujolais Nouveau Day. What's the what's the playlist going to be? French hip hop, country? No. I feel like French hip hop is not going to be. <laughs> is that a good thing? Idea. All right. I All right. feel like Mark. I feel like Mark Adams needs to just start. Okay. Yeah. Let's let's go. All right. Somebody take over the iPod. I'm not sure what I. I don't think I want to see French hip hop. No. no, no. <laughs> French hip hop, French rap. No. No. French hop. Yeah. All right. French hop. Like yeah, shop. which, by the way, we've created this fun thing where Neil takes over the, the iPod oh. usually on Wednesday nights, and yeah. it's turning into like oh. Yacht Rock Wednesdays here. But I kind of like it. Post Broga? I'm not lie. It's after Broga is oh, over, like we turn yacht on Yacht Rock. Rock. After Broga. It's, it's kind of fun. We're doing it. We're it's doing the it. worst kind of great combo you it's, could it's ever called, imagine. It's called Rock Bro. Yeah. So this this is the thing rock that bro. happens when Allie it's leaves. It's called Rock. Bra. No, it's, it's rock bra. Oh, sorry. The bros are taking over. You guys talk to the chef. Chef, right. oysters. And on that note, okay, all right. On that note, we're, Bye, we're digressing. Cheers. Cheers. Rock bra. Bye.